live. Okay. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for gathering with us this evening. Welcome to the June 12th, 2023 convening of the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee. I am committee chair Eric McDonald. Um, we're pleased to have everyone with us. I want to thank, as always, our Human Rights Commission staff, Brittany Chiquata, Joel Stewart, Zach Manuel, and Jeanette Coates, John McKnight, and Amelia Bankhead. I'm sorry, Martinez Bankhead for providing technical assistance expertly for our meeting. Secretary Mokimeyer, announcements. This evening's meeting is being held at San Francisco City Hall, one Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place in room 400. Members of the public can join us in person or participate remotely. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes to speak. People attending in person will be called to speak first, followed by those of you who are attending remotely. Anyone calling in, please mute your phone until asked to speak. Please use the raise hand icon to indicate you would like to participate in public comment. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, we will begin, as always, with our acknowledgments. First, with our ancestral acknowledgement. Reverend Brown, please. Thank you, Mr. Chair and members of the task force. We honor the gifts, resistance, sacrifices of our Black ancestors, particularly those who toiled the land and built the institutions that established this city's wealth and freedom. Despite never being compensated, nor fully realizing their own sovereignty. We acknowledge this exploitation of not only labor, but of our humanity. And through this process, are working to repair some of the harms done by public and private actors. Because of their work, we are here and will invest in the descendants of their legacy. Thank you, Reverend Brown. And now we'll do our land acknowledgement and Member Carter. Mm-hmm. Member Brown is going to step in and do the land acknowledgement tonight. Ah, okay. Uh, oh, the Ramatush. Oh no, I'm doing it. Yes. Member Brown. Thank you. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded and ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. Thank you, Reverend Brown. Thank you, Member Brown. Uh, Secretary Meyer, um, next item, please. Roll call. Item number one is call to order committee roll call. I will announce each member's name. They will announce if they are present. James Lance Taylor. Tanish Hollins. Eric McDonald. Here. 
Reverend Dr. Amos Brown. Here by Zoom. Rico Hamilton. Nicole Cunningham. Present. Gloria Berry. Present. Daniel Landry. Present. Tiffany Carter. Present. Gwendolyn Brown. Present. Anita Ekinem. Here. Star Williams. Present. Shaquille Kane. Leticia Irving. Present. Freddie Martin. We have quorum. The meeting can be called to order. Thank you very much. Um, I'd like to remind everyone attending this evening's meeting that public comments should be related to the specific agenda item um, being discussed and following the purview of this committee. Um, committee secretary has been asked to um, have commenters to stay on topic one time and then cut the microphone if necessary. Not our first choice, but we ask your cooperation. Um, those providing public testimony should address their remarks to the committee as a whole and not to individual committee members or department personnel. If you're attending in person and would like to provide public testimony, um, not required, but if you can, please fill out a card located on the table where the meeting documents are displayed. Uh, Secretary Meyer, next item, please. Item number two is updates to the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee draft report. This is a discussion and possible action item. This is time for members of the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee to discuss and potentially update recommendations for the final San Francisco reparations plan, including any updates to eligibility requirements. This will be a presentation by Eric McDonald, Chair of the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee for the San Francisco Human Rights Commission. There will be public comment and committee comment. Excellent. Thank you, Madam Secretary. So just as a remember to all attendees, uh, central objective for tonight's meeting is to review and add recommendations um, to our final reparations report. Um, we will vote to approve recommendations from economic empowerment, um, education, public policy subcommittees. Uh, so, um, and then finalizing eligibility criteria. Um, just a, a, a note to members, we have a lot of ground to cover tonight. And so I would just ask your um, necessary, but brevity and comments, um, and if we could avoid repeating if at all possible, that will help us move through again, because we have a lot of ground to cover in terms specifically of recommendations, review and discussion and approval. So more to come with that. Before we begin, um, I beg you to entertain recognizing um, we originally had scheduled for the chair of the Human Rights Commission, Karen Clopton to come. She has become ill, unfortunately. However, we are thankful to have Vice Chair uh, Reverend Ann Champion-Shaw here from the Human Rights Commission, um, who'd like to address the committee on behalf of the commission before we go into public comment. Good evening. Thank you so much, Chair McDonald, and to the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee. Uh, my name is Ann Champion-Shaw, and I serve as the Vice Chair of the San Francisco Human Rights Commission. 
uh, on behalf of our chair, uh, Karen Clopton, who was unfortunately unable to join us here on this evening and the San Francisco Human Rights Commission. I would like to thank you all for this opportunity to speak. Uh, we, on behalf of the San Francisco Human Rights Commission, wants everyone to know that we stand fully with the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee as you seek to concentrate on economic empowerment, education, health, and policy in ensuring that the debt that is owed to San Francisco Black residents for generations of past hurt and harm is indeed paid. And we know as a result, this will empower the present Black community and forge us on to a better future. Let me further say that the Human Rights Commission of San Francisco thank the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee for your efficacy and efficiency in addressing the evidence of the horrors of slavery, disenfranchisements, and other inequalities and discriminations that have plagued Black San Franciscans in resounding the call for justice to be delivered through this reparations process. In your research, study, and development of these proposals, which include listening to the voices of the Black community while educating others outside of our community, has been tremendous. And we continue in the journey with you as you continue to bring to light the evidence of, quote, California's responsibility and anti-Black discrimination, and in particular documents, the multiple tactics that the San Francisco Bay Area used to discriminate against African-Americans, end quote. And we know this is a quote from a draft from one of the earlier African-American San Francisco reparations report. It is from this responsibility that we, the San Francisco Human Rights Commission, stand with you, African-American San Francisco Reparations Advisory Committee, and the Black community of this great city of San Francisco, as we continue on with you in this fight, and as we fully support your recommendations once the report is final. Please know that the Human Rights Commission, we're only a text, we're only a call, uh, we are only an email away, but most importantly, I am a minister, so I must say that God is only a prayer away. God bless you, San Francisco African American Reparations Advisory Committee, and may God keep you as our prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Reverend Shaw. Uh, we appreciate your comments and certainly the commitment and support of the Human Rights Commission. Uh, now we will take public comment on this first item or second item, technically, on the agenda. Um, again, public members of the public, please limit your comments to recommendations related to eligibility or specific subcommittee recommendations for economic empowerment, policy, education, or health. Following public comment, we will have committee discussion. Um, members providing public testimony, please address those remarks again to the committee as a whole, not to individual committee members or department personnel. And if you're attending in person, again, we will invite you to the podium in front of the room. Uh, Secretary Meyer, let's open public comment at this time. Mr. Chair. Oh, hold, hold on, One, hold that thought. Yes, ma'am. Um, um, Human Rights Commission, the committee um, spokesperson just spoke are we going to discuss on our agenda the two recommendations they submitted to us? 
if they are included in the deck we have, yes. It was it was given to us for last week's agenda meeting to discuss the public defender's office and forming a LGBTQ center, a black one. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know if they were going to present on that or if they we're, were just not intending to present. Okay, they thank were just... you. Yeah, thank you. Hold on one second, sir. Okay, now let's open public comment. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, Good evening. I want to speak specifically to item two. My name is Kay Abdul. And I want to commend you all for working on this for so long, for over three years. All the cities are actually watching to see what is going to come out of San Francisco. And just about three weeks ago, actually, I just introduced in the Oakland City Chamber, I just spoke to them about establishing a reparation committee. And I told them, don't look any further than just look across the bridge to San Francisco and see the work that they have already done. And there's no need to reinvent the wheel. You just see what they have done and just copy that, so to speak. So I want to thank you all and keep the faith and keep the hard work. I don't want to hold your time. As the chair was saying, there's a lot of work to be done, but it's been a long time coming and definitely need these changes going to come. K. Abdul Mahid, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on this item? Please approach the dais. Good evening, Reparation Committee and all whom are present. Thank you for all your efforts that you have brought to bring reparations to a close. I'll get right to the point. I would like to propose a hotline set in place for San Francisco Unified School District and medical facilities for African-Americans to file complaint of discrimination Each complaint will be validated by investigation, of course. I wrote a commentary entitled Reparation for African-Americans. Please correct my ignorance. I will forward a copy to justify my request. References will be easy because the lines are numbered. I also am, no, this doesn't doesn't matter. So anyway, that's, that's pretty much it. Except for, I do recall um, immigrants given the opportunity to open businesses with no payback loans and five years of free taxes. That was my concern as to if we are going to pay taxes on our reparation funds. And I would suggest that we don't, of course, because we have to purchase homes, we have to purchase land. I figured that if as long as a family member is occupying what we purchase, then there should be any taxes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public attending in person who would like to participate in public comment? Good evening, committee, and thank you for all your good work on this uh, topic. I just wanted to bring one uh, some attention to one group, perhaps a recommendation, and that is the uh, 
the focus group of military members. Um, so the 30s, the Great Migration brought a whole bunch of Negro soldiers out here. And um, to the present, base closures, um, we don't see that many now. And so um, I just wanted to bring some attention to um, the fact that there was a very vibrant community out here. And when those base closures hit, people sold their homes, had to relocate, and it's very few of us right here now. And so um, um, and I like to bring attention to the fact that Truman, President Truman, had his executive order for uh, Negro soldiers, which is still an executive order. So focus needs to be placed on that as well. I mean, executive order, the next president can change that any day. And so the last one here is, um, I think that's about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any, thank you. Are there any other members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on this item? Great. Thank you. First of all, my name, my name is Tariq Johnson. Come up to the mic, sir, please. Right there. there my name go. is Tariq Johnson. I want to um, thank all of you for showing up and a lot of the work that you guys have put in. Um, I'm 59 years old, been here all my life, and my all of my elders um, that have been born, raised here, and on property have died. Um, from cancer due to the toxic waste, being the descendant of property owners of people that have been here for own property for 50 or 70 years and just being bought out by these people and well, the toxic waste is still happening today. A lot of us are still suffering. And I think that the descendants of these people that have died in the Bayview Hunters Point, living over there and with cancer and toxic waste. Um, well, I feel like um, we, we, we really can't get that back, but, you know, we can try to put a stop to it. And our neighborhoods have been displaced, you know, drastically by these people buying up these properties and they ain't doing nothing about the waste with the people who live there and died and every last one of my elders is gone. And I'd like to see something. Something come of that. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Good evening. Um, I'm very concerned about the reparations money. I would love to be here to get it. But I have experienced what I found out to be racism in San Francisco when I arrived. Through education, every way they touched me. I'm still dealing with discrimination. And while you're here, and I'm almost 70, while you're here, going after reparations money now, I'm looking at these black children coming up missing in Oakland mostly black females. In housing, there's discrimination, this new affordable housing. I call it the afterlife paradise. Myron Nye's plantation, because I live it every day. And I'm a fighter, so I will get in trouble. But um, I, I, I would be glad for this reparations money to come through. 
my ancestors would be great and happy that it's come through and I would be able to help my people because nobody else is doing that. I don't mind dressing solo. I'll help others. That's my, my, that's my goal. And I'm really sick of it. And I plan to go to Oakland, but we need this reparations money because there is a lot of discrimination up here and there's more to come. Got it? You have 30 more seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public attending in person who would like to comment at this time? Okay, um, now we will move on to um, remote public comment. First, I'd like to call Liz Lynn Lacoste. Thank you. Good evening. Um, my name is Lisa Lacoste. I'm providing public comment on behalf of the Public Defender's Office, which I serve as Chief of Staff. Thank you for, to this Reparations Committee for their historic work. I also want to thank you for recognizing and acknowledging the lack of parity within our local criminal system. As many of you know, our Public Defender Office is the last line of defense to injustice within our criminal system. With, with over 75% of our public defenders' clients facing criminal charges being BIPOC, with 50% Black. We continue to see a rise in arrests and charges with limited resources, while we're seeing greater resources being provided to our district attorney and police department. Um, just recently, we learned of the increased budget, um, millions of dollars that went to the police department, about 25 million, and uh, many more millions of dollars going to the district attorney office. Currently, um, if you take out our immigration unit, um, which the DA does not provide um, representation for, the public defense funders budget is approximately $15 million less than the district attorney's budget. I say that again, $15 million less than the district attorney's office. We are calling for parity. We are calling for equity. We are calling for balance in the justice system. So I really, I wanna thank you all again for considering this call of parity for, within our criminal justice system with, um, within the public defender's office and the DA's office. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now I'd like to call Deborah Stevens. Good evening. Um, I want to make sure you include in your argument for reparations how the Fillmore was destroyed through eminent domain under the guise of urban renewal, which is none other than gentrification. Uh, my father's shop set on Eddie and Fillmore. Now what sits on that land is a tall high rise that doesn't benefit us. In fact, generational wealth has been stolen from my father's children and other families who lost businesses under this racist policy. Another issue, and I may be off on some of the percentages. I was born in the 50s and I read where we were 45% of the population. Now, what's the population, 5% or less? In fact, San Francisco is reported to be the most gentrified city in the world. Um, I urge the committee to watch James Baldwin's 1963 documentary on San Francisco called Take This Hammer. 
It was produced by KQED. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Now I'd like to welcome Lawanda Mohammed. Good evening. Thank you, committee. Thank you all for your hard work. I would like to raise the point of those San Franciscans who have been removed from San Francisco. I represent the fourth of five generations of San Franciscans in my family. And I'm hoping that if as we move forward with reparations, that those of us who have proof that we were born in San Francisco or have residency in San Francisco will be eligible because like the previous person stated, many of us are no longer there. So I'm a resident now of Richmond. I was a teacher in San Francisco for 20 years. And unfortunately due to the affordability issue, myself, my family, and my mother um, had to move out of the city along with others that I know. So I'm just hoping that the committee is able to keep that on point as well. Thank you. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Cheryl Thornton. Cheryl, can you unmute? Okay, good evening. Good evening, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Uh, okay, great. Hi, my name is Cheryl Thornton. And um, first of all, thank you, um, the, the Committee for Reparations. My comment, my public comment tonight is about the Office of Race and Equity. Um, well, my comments about black workers in the city and county of San Francisco and the racial discrimination that we continue to face. And there was an Office of Race and Equity that was um, created in 2021 or 2020. And um, the uh, director position for the Office of Race and Equity is still vacant. It's been vacant now for um, two plus years. This, and so, this is um, public comment on the recommendations, but we do have general public comment on items not on the agenda. And your comment would be most appropriate during that time. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Vincent Austin, Vincent Justin. Can you unmute yourself? Vincent, can you unmute yourself? I'd see you unmuted. Would you like to participate in public comment? Okay, we can't hear Vincent Justin. Is Melody Huff available for public comment? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me tonight. I appreciate all that you all do. Um, I did attend the meeting and I, I apologize. I did not see the agenda, but my question was about the meeting 
um, the last meeting with the Board of Supervisors. Is it appropriate time to ask about that? Uh, no, we will cover that in another section. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Vincent, Justin, can you unmute? I do see your hand raised. Are there any other members of the public who would like to provide public testimony in person or remotely? Okay, we do have one person who would like to provide testimony in person. And then we'll move back to remote public comment. All right. Um, I just wanted to, you know, once again, thank you for all of the hard work and research that y'all have done on this proposal and, you know, particularly being under the scrutiny of California and the entire country and probably also the world. And I just want to, you know, remind everyone that the reason why we are all working on this is because of, you know, police violence and because of what happened to George Floyd with everybody seeing that. And with that, I, it is, you know, anything that we do is not going to be lasting unless we are also tackling the issue of police violence. And so, you know, something that we need is community control of the police. Something that we need to do is to disarm the police. And, you know, and perhaps something else that we can also do is, you know, like people are all worried about where is the money going to come from to pay for all of the programs that are needed to uplift black San Franciscans. And so maybe when we're looking for where that money could come from, like, yes, we can tax the, the tech companies that have been like rooting everybody out, but, you know, maybe we can look at that police budget too, because, you know, and we should also look at what things are the police doing that they should not be doing. We got them, you know, that saying about when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. That's kind of where we are with the police. Let's make some of those jobs into things that we're getting our people into to help the community. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've been asked to remind everyone that the first beep you hear just means you have 30 seconds left in your public comment. Public comment is two minutes. Diane Shepard. I see you're unmuted, Diane. Okay, we can't hear Diane. Um, are there any other members of the public attending remotely who would like to participate in public comment on this item in particular, which is the um, recommendations, review of the recommendations and eligibility? Okay, Chair, I do not see any other members of the public who would like to participate in public comment. Okay, thank time. you. Seeing none, public comment is closed. Members, we will now commence in this order. Uh, we want to review the uh, additions of recommendations, first from public policy, and then from economic empowerment, and then from 
education. Uh, and then we will go to, Kathy, am I correct? We're going to go after that to the additional recommendations that are not in any other categories. Is that correct? Okay. Correct. Excellent. Uh, and then we will conclude with the eligibility, um, both the additional yes, eligibility uh, and then the kind of organizing of the eligibility. So that's the order. Um, and we will move as efficiently as we can. So let's, and uh, public policy is under tab number one in your binder. And I'll ask Chair of Public Policy or the Policy Subcommittee, Member Landry. Thank you, Chair McDonald. Uh, first, um, picking off, picking up from last week. Uh, so we we left, we had like about 12 additional recommendations. Uh, the policy subcommittee met last Friday and we have three that we will go forward tonight that needs uh, to be voted on. Uh, all of you probably uh, received some type of information about these three uh, recommendations. Uh, the biggest, well, it really wasn't a challenge, but was comparing the dates. We wanted to ensure that the dates was accurate um, and, and in harmony with the eligibility. So all of, for, for now, everything meets the um, eligibility requirements. Although we haven't voted on eligibility requirements, I just wanted to make it clear that pending the vote of the eligibility requires, these three recommendations can go forward and be voted on tonight. So 2.5, which was the uh, creating a certificate of preference displacement restitution fund, that was number one. Uh, 2.6 was creating a housing displacement restitution fund. Uh, then Lastly, was 2.8, creating the San Francisco Black Card Reparations Program. And I will add, I didn't add last week uh, that uh, for that final one, the, the uh, reparations card program, uh, basically that would also cover and be a way that we can identify and keep track of everyone who's eligible uh, for reparations in the future. So would you like for me to read this off one by one or how would we like to let? Yeah, we need to vote on them one by one. So let's start with the first one. The uh, 2.5 creator certificate of preference displacement restitution fund. Any questions before we vote members? Go ahead, member Cunningham. Um, the highlighted <clears throat> piece here says the funds will be paid out in installments annually until 2033, I just have a question on why is it installments and why people can't have their funds up front? Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you, Member Cunningham. So the idea was that we, you know, we heard both sides of, and we all heard the dialogue around the $5 million. We wanted to um, ensure that this particular fund would have some wiggle room. Uh, as you know, and, and the members of the task force uh, during this process, uh, we didn't we didn't have uh, any um, city assistance in terms of a city attorney 
or from the assessor's office to kind of give us a backdrop on what's ideal when it comes to a number. So ultimately, we thought that this would be uh, the best preliminary way to uh, put something forth before the city so we could actually uh, receive these cash payouts and would help in the long term. So I, that's the idea. Okay, <clears throat> thank you. And I want to apologize. I am on the policy committee, but I was absent this last meeting. Um, thank you for that information. The reason why I asked is because um, I know it's 10 years and if this was to go through, it maybe be nine years. And uh, <clears throat> for people who maybe wanted to buy property, it's going to be impossible if they're getting like a hundred grand, you know, a year, even with a lot of the funds that are available for people, you still have to qualify. So that was just what I was thinking. Like, I don't really see there's $1.3 million in San Francisco is not a lot. So that was just where that came from. Um, thank you. Thank you. Member Ekinem. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. So along those lines, I actually agree. Like, and because this is a recommendation to the city, I would suggest that we actually just say this is going to be $1.3 million for a lump sum because you're actually empowering people to buy or purchase. Otherwise, what you're going to do is actually force people into a loan program mm -hmm. based on installments, right? Like, right. oh, I have $1.3 million come over 10 years. And so we're going to have to, individuals are going to have to go to a bank and somehow through that process potentially be taken advantage of. So if this is really about giving them the option to buy, maybe we, we can put some language like that in, just give them the money to do that so that they don't have to go and get a loan out um, to do that. And, oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. Hold on one second. Let me go to member Barry. I move to make it a friendly amendment to state that it's lump sum. Hold on this one. We have, we, we have more discussion. Yes, you can second. Thank you. And we'll have more discussion. Member Carter. Oh, and my microphone isn't working. Okay. Um, question to the policy committee. Is this in addition to the 5 million or is this to substitute the 5 million because you don't feel like the 5 million is plausible? Absolutely not. This is an addition to the 5 million. Okay. Well, I think that's going to have to be amended and included into this um, language. And language, absolutely. And, and remember, um, definitely, uh, you know, as the draft was developed, anything that y'all feel that could help push, that's definitely fine. Okay, so to be clear then, the we need specific language for the amendment so that as we're taking record, we have the specific language. So, Member Brown, do you want to offer the language that you are proposing? I would actually like to defer to Member Landry. Okay. Um, in terms of, well, I mean, if we take, we, we, we can remove, of course, the payouts. Right. Um, that's this off top. <laughs> um, Yes. So a, a friendly um, 
that we just simply say this would be in addition to any cash payments specified by the plan any other cash payments specified by the plan well yeah that makes it yes. so is there already an existing motion on the floor for a lump sum payment from member cunningham there is okay so member we barry yeah, I oh, member Barry. So that they can include. Oh, I withdraw my motion so that they can include the other friendly amendment. Thank you, member right. Barry. So what are we adding here? Okay, so hold on, hold on, member Cunningham, member Irving, and then member Cunningham. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering if this is going to contradict some of what's going to come up later when we talk about eligibility and cash reparations directly to those impacted. If we say five million without any specific, like being specific, so I want to make sure we don't put something vote and then have to come back because it's not going to complement what's in here coming up later on. And so, are you proposing we hold off and return? I I am only because I, I think we have to discuss. I think we already did, but when we get to the like cash revenue for those, because if if in this language, if we propose a language, the similar to how you already how the committee already put who it was for, mm -hmm. then we'd have to go back here and say who that five million was for. But then we have a whole eligibility criteria that we have to still vote on. Well, yes, I, I only thing that I I looked closely at was the eligibility, the pool of one to see if these two could qualify how it's written thus far. But like I stated well, before opening up that you're right, <laughs> we might have to, or we can hold off if it makes. Okay, let me hear from member Brown and then we'll consider whether we return, we pause on these and return. Did the policy committee also consider that given the controversy around the 5 million, this may be a way out of the 5 million? Because if you're if this is a recommendation and they don't have to adopt all the recommendations, if you propose something like this, then may they also expand what Member Irving is saying around qualifying, using this as a qualifier for eligibility and then attaching the 1.3 instead of 5 million? Yeah, I think you... That could also um, probably happen with a lot of the other recommendations. Um, although it may not be a number figure, um, even the 111 recommendations could be considered overlapping in certain areas. Um, I said I think, in a lot of the controversy, though. Yeah, you know I know we touched, we touched on it, but we didn't really deep dive into it. Um, yeah. Because that's a vast difference. It's like a difference of 3.7 million. Yeah. Um, Therefore, what are you proposing? Even if we don't take it up now, we'll come back to it. What are What are you proposing? That we leave this out. Not have a fund. Is that what you're saying? I guess. Okay. So when we come to the vote on that, then obviously that's where you can you can weigh in. Right. But that's the point of view you hold. Okay. All right. So. I'm making an assumption, you all correct me if I'm wrong, that the discussion we just had applies to both the restitution, I'm sorry, displacement restitution fund 
um, COP displacement restitution fund and the housing displacement restitution fund, correct? Which means we will pause on both of those. We will return once we conclude with eligibility. Okay, that's correct. correct. Okay, no, we'll we'll just come back to that by way of process. All right, so then that leaves 2.8. Yeah, so 2.8 was the creation of the Black Card Reparation Program. And like I stated before, this uh, particular program was uh, vetted and discussed between the Policy Cup Committee actually for months. I know originally we we talked about how our policies uh, and the Economic Empowerment Committee, we could um, somehow capture everything that deals with reparations and the eligibility of Black people in San Francisco we need somewhat like a clearinghouse. We need to identify, trace. We need to be able to, uh, 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 I can't remember that word, but we need to be able to um, capture and specifically give our people a leg up here in San Francisco. And that's why this program is unique in itself. And that's it. Thank you. Um, hands, hands, hands. Uh, let's begin with uh, Member Barry. Yes, um, I'm very familiar with veterans being able to walk into a business and getting a discount. However, I believe it's the business choice if they want to participate in that. So how would the city enforce a business to give a discount? How would a city enforce a bit? Well, um, I would I would I would think uh, similar to how we have the uh, slavery disclosure that the city would have some type of um, leverage. I mean, just straight up, could we, we could uh, ask the city to write uh, another law for the business. Oh, incentives. Give the businesses incentives. That's what I'm really trying to say. Give the businesses in San Francisco incentives to support this program. Can we write that into the um, sure recommendation? Sure. So uh, while we go to the other comments, what I'd ask you to do, Member Landry, if that's the case, mm-hmm. write the language. So then, a moment before we vote, we can include that language in a vote. Okay. Okay. Let me go. I'm sorry, Member Barry. Is that it? Okay. Uh, let me go then to member Irving. Um, so first, I like the recommendation um, that's here. I appreciate when I get my 20% um, educators discount and whatever other discount I try to get. So I'm grateful for it. But my question is the what? So at what point is it and does it need to be in this language in the language here when we say who makes the decisions on what like what type of free services, what type of um, discounts? Because if we leave it up to the city, God only knows what they might try to offer us that is not of of substance. Um, and so I'm wondering if it is like, I mean, we don't have, we, I don't know that we're, I may have missed that update about the reparations department or like right. who makes this decision or where do we detail out what it is that we're asking or do we just leave it generic for, for the city to decide? Yeah, I would defer to the to the committee <laughs> on that. I mean, I would defer to the committee, and I think that's a good idea. You know, to to not leave it general and leave it up to the city because we know how that tends to go. 
But I see on your paper, I mean, I'm looking in your business right now, but I see here it's a oh, list yeah. of some things. And I wonder like what were some of those and if we need to specify it. Right. So yeah, this was the original uh document. We don't know what you're referencing, by the way. Oh, so I don't I don't know. Uh maybe that was uh created uh I believe early May or April, or probably end of April. And that was the suggestions, yeah, from from day one on what the black card program beneficial program would look like. Um, I left it up to the, the task force to make suggestions within the last 60 days if anything needed to be changed or uh, any suggestions or edit. Uh, but that was the general backdrop from day one. But as we sit here tonight, before we make a vote, I would again defer because I'm not trying to take a position as if this is something new, as we all know. So it was literally had to be created, you know, from something. Uh, but it was definitely we got uh, great support from the community and the public. And everyone uh, agreed including like what we heard from our supervisor at the March 14th hearing that uh, we need something to really state going into the future, how long we want reparations to stay in people's mind. And that was why you see in that particular document uh, on the card, the dates. And we agreed that San Francisco, although San Francisco was incorporated in 1850, we know the past harms like we've been actually stayed in the last one or two years now, that we mostly focus on the housing horns, starting with the housing horns from 1945, urban renewal, redevelopment, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we was basing it on. Uh, but definitely, I think we're open uh, for more suggestions or anything to clarify and make it more clear uh, before we submit anything to the supervisors, if the board or if the task force wishes to uh, approve this tonight. Thank you. Member Eric. Just wondering, because the public is like, we're referencing a document that we've passed amongst ourselves and didn't share what right. some of the examples were. And so if it's okay, if I read some of the sure. examples, um, and these are just examples, it says um, the card can be the official African-American reparations advisory committee ID for all members who qualify for reparations free and discounts for city activities and services such as rental fees, city toll, et cetera, recognized by CCSF for free college admission, discounts on parking and traffic tickets, um, free city muni, free city tax service, restitution funds can be loaded onto this card and it can be used as a debit card. Um, and those are just a few examples, but I would love whether we think about what group decides some more of those that we will present to the city? Um, or if we can just put in the language, like put the language in here, like who will decide that? So we just don't leave it up to our city. One more thing. Um, and so I don't know if we uh, would need to uh, specify the officer uh, reparations again, but that was the idea when we came up with this language that we was we was writing off the uh, officer. Go ahead. Um, I'm finished. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's go to member Ekinem. So in my mind, who's going to decide on it 
is all of us. So each one of our committees has come up with recommendations. And I see this as a way to access those benefits, right? So I actually don't see this standing alone in and of itself, but it, here's a slew of things that we've actually said. And you go into, you know, whatever the business is, whatever else, and you activate um, these benefits that we've actually already decided on. Um, and, and that's the way I sort of see this sort of playing out. So it's more of an, an access piece versus a separate sort of policy piece um, sort of moving forward. So let's say, because we actually have this around sort of taxes, like as part of economic development, people don't have to pay taxes for the next 250 years. Right. You'd be able to access that through this, right? You'd be able to access education like benefits through this. Any other of the other policy things that you said, we'd be able to access through exactly. that. So it's not a it's not a standalone, but it's really more of an access piece to sort of get, move forward. Yeah. Okay, holding that thought, and again, I'm going to come back to you when it's time for a vote because right, right. what we'll need is language. Right. So, as you think about and consider the input that's been given, uh, I'm assuming this is member. This is member Carter this time. Okay. Um, yes, I definitely appreciate my committee members' recommendations on this. Um, as a small business owner, I'm not in favor of this at all. And it really stands out to me as EBT 2.0. <laughs> and like, I don't want us to get in that habit. I want us to get out of that habit. And I think it, um, I want to come in strong with our recommendations um, and not have overlapping recommendations that, that mimic other recommendations. So yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of this particular black card. And I think if we can go in strong and get our, our $5 million is no need for a black card. Thank you. Member Cunningham. If by chance we vote in this pass, um, I wanted to add to that list that you already had that mm -hmm. um, member Irving read off to be that the black card would allow um, discounts for things that are um, necessary, such as PG&E, uh, water, garbage, gas, mm -hmm. um, CCSF is our uh, city and county, um, what is it? City Hall, City, city College, College is already free, but I would say City College and SFU, uh, SF State. Um, <clears throat> that way, those are like real benefits. Not only that, that these aren't, but that's a real way that you will see um, folks able to really utilize that, right? right. Um, everyone knows your PG&E goes up, at least mine does, in the fall months, right? So for a regular, you know, $80 bill is like $300. So being able to have a 20% discount, and I'm for recommending that food wouldn't be like, you know, uh, eating out wouldn't be a specific discount, but like real things, because eating out is a choice, right? You can have groceries and you can cook, right? Not saying that folks, that black folks don't deserve to eat out, but I wouldn't oppose the motion to not include eating out at small businesses, but for things that are necessary, PG&E, water, garbage, um, uh, folks being able to go to college, <clears throat> regardless of age, I think those are real benefits that a black card could help out along with like the free, um, um, uh, what is that muni you have on there? Um, as a person who's disabled, which I've explained, you know, that I am, I have a, y'all have clipper cards <clears throat> and my clipper card for years was free. I could catch muni for a few free. Now it's like 50% off. That is a huge help 
to have 50% off when you want to try, you know, whether I want to take the ferry to Vallejo, I want to take, you know, the BART like I did this weekend. That's a huge discount. So I'm grateful for that, right? So because of my disability, I have to, you know, do things uh, it takes me longer to do certain things. So that financial piece, and I'm off, off work too a lot <laughs> anyway. Um, so things like that, those are real, in my opinion, real benefits. So I wouldn't be opposed to removing small businesses. Um, but if we do make a motion, um, I'm fine with making a motion that would take eating out out. Uh, but the, these things I would want to add in. Thanks. And, and may I respond? So let me, and let me just say clearly, first of all, this is, this card is a San Francisco black card. So the idea was San Francisco jurisdiction. Now, I know when we talk about small business and I, and I hear uh, member Carter and what she's saying, uh, even if let's say the 5 million come tomorrow, we, you can use this as a debit card. This could be used as many multi-level of things. We don't have to get caught up in, I think, uh, the detail matters of the private sector because San Francisco and these supervisors in the city has power jurisdiction of the zoo, of programs, whether it's not just city college, but anything that San Francisco own, they can, with the strike of just a pen, say, look, we want you to give preference to black people. So that was the whole foundation on why we came up with the black card. Black people need preference. Black people need to be put in the front after all what done happened to us. And that's what generated this. This didn't just come out of this thin air. Because we need to separate us from everyone else to show that this city and county of San Francisco for almost 150, 70 years have actually left us out. So we went months discussing this with the, uh, you know, the public and the community. This didn't just come overnight. That's what I'm saying. And we willing and definitely I'm willing, you know, to uh, accept some friendly amendments, <laughs> but I'm not going to rewrite the whole program here tonight because the idea. Right. But you, you ever say, Member Brown, okay. we, the, 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 the task force uh a lot of this work should have been done already this been actually submitted to this body months ago so if 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 any suggestions would have came forth we would have had time as a policy subcommittee to discuss it we haven't had time to even discuss this and get thoughts and feedback from the task force so i don't think we're doing any favor for the community and the public tonight to say all of a sudden, well, I don't agree with this and let's not handpick anything. Let's just look at the umbrella, what this represents. And we can work out the differences because by, by the way, I was waiting for our assistant Tanisha to, to give us uh, uh, the language this past week. So I'm not gonna sit here and not act as if we didn't have a plan coming in this meeting. That didn't come forth for whatever reason, with all due respect, Let's just deal with what is in front of us. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, I want to, again, be mindful of time. Member Barry, is that your hand raised? Yes. Okay. So so just let me just say what we're getting ready to do. Member Barry, Member Cunningham, your hand is raised again. Uh, and then Member Ekonom. And then we're going to, I'm going to ask for a, um, a motion. 
Member Holland's hand is raised and okay. she's attending remotely. So after Member Ekonem, we will hear from Vice Chair Hollins and, and then we will turn towards a a, a motion um, on this particular item. Member Barry. Yes, Member Landry, I agree that we have discussed this black card for some time. And um, I want to encourage folks to know that it, it can't be probably mandatory of businesses, but like you said, and incentives by the city, which would be the policy portion, and businesses would probably have an option to opt out or, or participate. Yeah. And I recommend that we keep this for possible when we get to the eligibility portion where we have different pools, people who might not qualify for the $5 million would still have some benefits they are able to obtain from the harm they receive being Black in San Francisco. Great. Yeah, good. good point. Thank you, Member Barry. Uh, Member Cunningham? Um, I just wanted to add, um, you had made the comment of the city, uh, anything that the city owns. And I just want to say that I think we need to also say lease because a lot of people do business with the city and they're from different states um, and different cities. So I just wanted to add that particular piece. And what you have here, even though we have discussed it, is I think in the specific language of actually listing these things. Mm -hmm. And what we're saying here is the only change that, that I believe is being made as far other than what Member Carter has stated, which is having the black card and what what those actual right. services look like. So the things that you have already on that paper with the black card, and then some of the things that I've mentioned here, um, along with what uh, Member Barry said, which some things may be optional, but I like the fact that if we can have the Board of Supervisors and possibly the mayor like actually write into legislation anything that we govern, that the city governs, is obligated or has to participate in this. And then those are things, as I said, the things that are necessity, like water, garbage, things like that. That's it. So it's not a bad thing. We have discussed it, but I think your 2.8 isn't actually specific to what we're talking about. We can't say everything. We right, would love right, to say right. everything, yeah, but being yeah. specific exactly. to the things that we need. So that that's the only thing. So yeah. it. Thank, thank you. you. Member Ekonem. Oh, I, I think for me, I'd almost want to put this off until we get through all of the recommendations, because to me, this is just an access piece, right? Like until we sort of have settled on what all of our recommendations are, this card is going to be the thing that accesses those things, right? And I don't see this actually standing in and of itself all on its own, right? Yes. Like this is more of an access. This is going to be a really cool thing that we get to show, but we haven't had the discussion. And that's why I think it's been difficult because we haven't said, here are our final recommendations. As soon as that happens, I'm all about a black card to be able to just go access that. But to be able to define the benefits without us having to actually gone through all of our eligibility, I think sort of puts the cart before the horse, so to speak. So I, my recommendation would be to sort of put this one off also until we've, we're done through this process. We know exactly what people have access to. And then we can go, hey, in this eligible, during the eligibility, this is what you'll get with your black card for each. So I would just observe, I think you guys are, are naming two distinct categories of benefits. So you're naming, as I hear you, you're naming the full suite of recommendations the committee is going to, to make as the benefits mm -hmm. to this card. And I hear Member Landry and others naming city services. Our recommendations don't speak to city services, okay. right? So 
I'm not saying those have to be mutually exclusive. I'm just saying they're not the same. Okay. Okay, let's go to Vice Chair Hollins. She's going to rescue us. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Eric, I don't know why you said that right there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, first, good evening. And I really do apologize for not being there this evening. And Member Landry, uh, specifically, uh, apology to you because I did ask you for uh, the recommendations and I did solicit a couple people for help, but uh, also acknowledging that we had 400 Juneteenth events in the last three days and everyone has been uh, respectfully busy and and celebrating. Um, didn't, didn't get the opportunity to layer on my thoughts, so I apologize to you. Uh, but I wanna raise uh, kind of what I raised at the last meeting in that while this is an amazing recommendation and I appreciate the spirit that the recommendation is being made in, it is not a policy recommendation. And so in the interest of the time that we have, because I think most folks are aware that this will probably be our longest meeting to date uh, because we have so much in front of us, um, not just with uh, an eye toward the policy recommendations, but in the remaining categories um, that they are appropriate and actionable um, and that they fit the category. I do think that this is a great recommendation um, in terms of how benefits could be administered or the, or the types of things that people can enjoy as a beneficiary of reparations, but it is not a policy recommendation. Um, and I have a question uh, before I introduce a motion on this particular recommendation in that is, is there a way for us to catalog things that we think are important in terms of ideas that may not necessarily fit into a recommendation category. One, to save us from being here until the actual Juneteenth, um, but also to make sure that um, the spirit of what we are trying to accomplish is not lost. Uh, and I, I just wanna be transparent because I know there are people who have been tuned into this process for all, almost the entirety that we've been going on um, and specifically tonight. We are clear about um, where the city stands on reparations. We understand that to operationalize reparations, we actually have to have an office um, and an agency that has the responsibility and the fiscal um, resources to be able to implement. Now, that's not to say that our recommendations and our plan are, are not important or that this will be shelved. Um, but that we have a lot more advocacy to do beyond just what goes in this report in terms of recommendations and the spirit of it. We have a fight that's actually in front of us. And so I really hope that we're able to use this time in, you know, um, in addition to having conversation uh, about the spirit of the recommendations, what we hope to accomplish, that we actually can close this meeting saying that we have put all of our best thinking into a report that will be given to the mayor and the board so that we can then turn our attention to actually how we make sure that the city is accountable for action for for taking action on what we have um, given our best thinking on so my my encouragement to my fellow brothers and sisters on the board is to save your energy and think about how we can um, take each of these motions um, at very top level um, identify whether or not it has a place right here or if there's a better place for it so that we can keep moving um, because the next couple of months are going to be just as taxing on us because uh, this work is that important. So I'm gonna pause there because I know I said a lot in that time. 
um, before I introduce a motion, um, and specifically first to Member Landry, because I appreciate you, my brother, and um, I did not want you to feel dismissed or set up um, in that we weren't able to come back with the recommendations that I hope we were able to, or refining the recommendations the way I hoped we would have. Thank you, Vice Chair Hollins. Um, go to Member Barry, and we'll come back to you, Vice Chair Hollins. Thank you, Chair. Is it possible since we've had a few members consider this not policy to just slide it over to economic empowerment? Um, yes, that's possible. We still need language no matter what. So what we need to determine is what's the language that will support this particular recommendation. And Member Landry, when I ask you to do it, I'm not putting the onus on you. Um, we just need someone to put pen to paper. Um, so that's that's why I, I, I did that, not to um, lay it at your feet. So if you are ready, Vice Chair Hollins, do you have a, a, um, a motion related to 2.8? Yes, my motion would be um, um, a motion to remove this from the uh, from the policy recommendations and to include it under um, the economics, uh, economic empowerment recommendations on our report. Second. Um, I want to remind uh, the chair that technically uh, Vice Chair Hollins is not included That's in right. the forum. That's so right. we need someone else to make that motion. Thank okay. you. So, Member Barry, would you consider making that motion? And, and as you think about it, hold on one second. It should embody the motion that is all of the language. Yes, I'm going to attempt a one shot one. Kill. Okay. Get ready. <clears throat> Create a San Francisco black card reparations program that will provide African Americans with an ID. Cards will provide discounts to businesses, which the city would give incentives to participate along with free services that the city has jurisdiction over and preferences within the city and county of San Francisco, and that this recommendation be included in the Economic Empowerment Committee. Is there a second? Roll call, please. Hurry. James Lance Taylor. No, just Beneath those that are Collins. here. She can't vote. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. Aye. Nicole Cunningham. Aye. Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter. Aye. Gwendolyn Brown. Aye. Anita Ekinem. Letitia Irving. Okay, the motion carries. Well done. Member Barry. So, members, that was good, important conversation. I would just note that that one item uh, <laughs> took us uh, close to 40 minutes. We have at least 60 more to go. You do the math. All right. So, uh, and we've agreed that 2.5, 2.6, we will return to. Okay. All right. Let's then move to economic empowerment. And for those purposes, you're going to go to this document. So I want everyone to know 
Can you can you move closer to the microphone, please? I want everyone to know that this very first page we already handled last week. So flip it. Pause one second. Just one. one second. And so we'll begin with number 12. Okay, so we are on second page number 12. Yes. Which is. So what I did uh, for this is really tried to sort of um, put things together that that uh, should be together. So these are going to be all about business. This one is for equity programs focused on black people. The grant programs must be grant programs, not reimbursement programs. Give a percentage of the grant funding up front, not reimbursing expenses. Now, this is important because not uh, the HRC, but also I had um, several conversations with people who are in the cannabis equity program. One of their biggest issues that they got, the city of San Francisco got millions of dollars from the state and the way the city of San Francisco decided to implement it was on a reimbursed, was on a reimbursement basis. So you had to come up with thousands of dollars out of pocket somehow, even though to qualify to be an equity person, you couldn't actually have had that money to begin with. This is crazy making. And so that's where this sort of recommendations come, like comes from specifically. Okay. So a motion, please. I'm sorry. Any questions? Okay. Let's entertain a motion. Is it a motion to motion to accept this recommendation as it's written? A second. <laughs> can, can, can we do? Um, sorry, Chair. Uh, didn't we do one where it's like all roll, all call, or something like that? Where we can. Yeah. Just... We will now. We will. We will now. Um, and what's that language again, please? Same, call. same house, same call. Excellent. Okay. Uh, so we can have that one for this one, and as we go through each one, correct? All right. Correct. Um, unless there is an objection. All right, same house, same call on number 12. We have to do anything? Aye. Aye. Yes. Aye. Awesome. Thank you. Number 12. 12. 13. No, I'm saying done with number 12. Oh. I'm sorry. Just to be clear. Number 13. <laughs> uh, number 13, cannabis tax revenue generated in San Francisco should generate revolving fund for black businesses, education, and home ownership. Right now, there's an issue with exactly where this goes, and I'd also actually like to amend this slightly. Cannabis tax revenue generated in San Francisco and any money received uh, I had any money received um, in court cases dealing with drugs, i.e. fentanyl and some of these other cases, that money should also go to this fund. Yes. So, and if, so, thank you very much. So cannabis tax revenue generated in San Francisco and any restitution via court dealing with uh, drug charges. No, um, I, I need a little bit of help. Mm -hmm. Um. Would it be like, for instance, wrongful death? 
would it be a percentage? Like, let's say a family decided to sue and there was a wrongful death. Would it be put a piece of that or? You know what? I was actually thinking more the a class action lawsuit that might have been brought and the city benefits from. I'm sorry. That's better language. So I'm specifically thinking cannabis tax revenue generated in San Francisco and any award from a class action suit against a drug company, drug maker, et cetera, that the city benefits from, right? An example being the fentanyl um, lawsuit that that's just sort of happened. I want that money also to be paid in. Percentage of that money or all of it? What would you like? 35%? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's say all. Someone can come back and say no. Okay. That's fine with me. Okay, let's try that language one more time. So cannabis tax revenue generated in San Francisco and restitution from class action lawsuits dealing restitution from class action lawsuits where the city is benefiting from Just benefiting, okay. From uh, yeah, from, from yeah. did someone get that down? Because I'm. She said cash award. Cash. Hmm. Yep. Okay. Okay. Any question? Sorry. Revenue generated in San Francisco and any restitution from class action lawsuits where the city is benefiting. That was the end of it. Any drug related class action lawsuits. As much as I love all class action lawsuits, I can't be that greedy. Right. Yeah, we couldn't hear you, Brittany. Hello? Okay. Perfect. <clears throat> so I was just rereading it to make sure we captured it correctly. Motion to accept item 13, cannabis tax revenue generated in San Francisco and any restitution from drug-related class action lawsuits where the city is benefiting. Should generate revolving Should generate. fund. Mm -hmm. Correct. That is the language. It was class action lawsuit from... Drugs, drug related, drug related class action. Lawsuit. Yes, I had an oh, cannabis tax revenue generated in San Francisco and any restitution from drug related class action lawsuits where the city is benefiting should generate revolving fund or black businesses for black businesses, education and home ownership. Sounds good. Yes. Thank you so much for that. Excellent. Thank you. Any questions? I'm sorry. What's my language now? I guess motion. We to... need to take motions and then same house, same call. Okay. So move to move that language. Okay. Member Barry made the first motion. Member Cunningham made the second. Yes. Same house, same call. Same house, same call. Aye. Okay. Excellent. Moving. Okay. 14. 
promote black land ownership, black business ownership throughout the city and specifically encouraging cultural ownership in various areas. Oh. Identities include, including the Castro, Chinatown and Japantown. And this was brought up actually specifically. One, we're already promoting black businesses and black ownership. This is just sort of highlighting this one piece um, because I think a huge part of it is simply that folks come into our neighborhoods and are able to invest. And it doesn't actually always work the exact same way. So all, all we're saying is we actually want that same opportunity regardless of what, wherever we are in the city and county of San Francisco. That's all. Okay. I have a question. Yes, Member Irving. Promote meaning what? So to promote something would just be like, you should have a business in the cash flow. <laughs> so what does that really mean? And I think we might should think about what we were saying when you say promote. So, right? Because I can promote as anything. Yeah, I can yeah. put the flyer and say, you should have a business in the yeah, cash flow. No, That's not enough. No, totally. No. And thank you for that. Um, so in, in other areas where we specifically specified this, it was actually sort of creating a either an ownership fund or a business fund or, or fund that can actually um, help businesses grow, Black businesses grow in these different areas. Can, mm -hmm. Yes, Member Irving. Ask a question from small business. Like, what's the language when creating some of the small businesses that we have now in San Francisco that were Black? What was the language around that? So... Member Ekinem just said, um, like, create a fund or create a, creating something so that we can start Black businesses. When we, we've done that recently, right? We've, there's been a huge push. What was the language? Was it just, was it creating a fund? And that was simply it? And maybe Brittany has more of that language. I don't know of a specific fund. I'm saying it worked, right? So whatever whatever that language was that helped promote those businesses get to get uh, established, it worked. Mm -hmm. And so I want to use the similar because we know that there is a path forward mm -hmm. with that. Yeah, I'm not actually familiar with that. <laughs> I don't know of any Black fund for business per se. Well, I mean, the Dreamkeepers Fund was a fund for Black businesses, but what did they, did they have a pool? Did they have a... They had a number of different sort of things that they did. So what I'd like to do actually, for, for time, I yes, actually please. like to table this one because we actually, I have a bunch of other sort of Black specific sort of business ownership type things. And maybe in the report, we can just sort of state that, you know, we'd like this applied to all areas so we can be everywhere. Because that was really the, the, the spirit of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to withdraw that. So we're going to withdraw 14, moving to 15. 15. Okay. So um, create a reparations classification or protected classification for government contracts modeled after M LBE, WBE, and, and others to give an additional 50% preference in contract evaluation. These businesses get through all of the internal city processes within 180 days. Tax abatement and business uh, and business or certif or certification fees waived. Additional 10% tax rebate to businesses that subcontract to businesses with this reparations classification. Okay, like I just want to get really clear that if we're talking about this classification, I want to give give our folks the ability to really sort of get in there and and do a lot of great great work. And my in, in Incentivation is really, hey, you get through a process really quickly and you're going to get some kind of tax for, like rebate, refund. Mm -hmm. um, so 
that was there. The other piece that I wanted to do, because there, you know, there are a number of bullet points that we can all read between 17 and 22. And I actually think that they're just additional things that can go under that one. Yeah, like sub bullets that, that can go under that piece. Okay, so 15 being the header. Yes. 16 through 22. Well, actually, 22 is line through. Yeah, yeah, sorry. So 16 through 21. Would just be sub bullets like to that. Okay. A moment to review those. I think you just need to add bonding. We actually did that on the first page last week. Okay. So, so we had a whole separate section specifically for, sorry, we had a whole separate section specifically for builders. Okay. Member Barry. Forgive my ignorance, but what is LBE and WBE? Okay, thank you. Okay. So again, the... I'm going to ask you to state it in the form of a motion. The motion is? The motion is uh, to approve um, this recommendation and approve 16 through 21 of, as sub-bullets to that recommendation. Moved in. Member Ekinem first, member Gwen Brown second. Yes. Same house, same call. Same house, same call. Aye. Excellent. That is 15 through 21. Thank you. Trying to help you out, folks. <laughs> now I'm empowerment. All right, 22. This I love. And this I am going to our folks over in Oregon. There was um, someone on our call. And forgive me if I forget your name. Please email me back. I will make <laughs> note of it. Oregon is doing some amazing work around reparations. All right. Amazing work around reparations. So what I what I did here in 23 is specifically grab language um, that was actually in their bill. And I actually linked uh, the bill here. And I'd like to read it out loud. Reparations paid under this section and, and the right of a person to an annuity or cash payments are exempt from garnishment and all state, county and municipal taxation and not subject to execution, garnishment, attachment or any other process or to the operation of any bankruptcy or insolvency law and are unassigned. Why did I do this? Because we've needed this type of language and seeing it here to our neighbors to the North, I thought was just really amazing. The fact that people in community sort of brought this up. So it speaks to everything, no tax, no taxes paid and all other things that we sort of wanted. Thank you, you're done, sorry. Thank you, any questions? I'll turn that into a motion. I would like to motion that we approve this recommendation. Is there a second? Brown. Member Brown. Member Akinem first, Member Brown second. Thank you. Same house, same call. Aye. Aye. Excellent. Thank you. Great. 24. Reparations lump sum disbursement. So I know we want the money always want the money. And I also believe one, I want to um, prioritize those who are older who have actually had to live through it the longest um, and set it up in a way that I think can actually uh, be applied to um, the greatest number of people. According to Pew, Pew Research, 
uh, 12% of the black population is 65 years or older. From the city and county of San Francisco, even with our estimates, um, doing something like this is very doable, right? Getting people their money is doable. So I, I just want to read it out loud. Uh, reparations, lump sum, and disbursement, 50 years or over, 10 payments, 60 or over, five payments, 70 or over, two payments. Why are we starting at 50? Because life expense, expectancy and other traumas. The, uh, our median age is actually 30. For other races, it's 38, which means we are just dying. Um, and so I'd like to be able to get this into the hands of as many of our folks as possible, as soon as possible. Thank you, Member Cunningham. <clears throat> Thank you. I just have one amendment. If you can add people with disabilities um, to the <clears throat> um, group of 50, at least okay. 10 payments, because um, there's people who are disabled at 25 for whatever reason. Um, and I think that um, having them because their life expectancy too certainly has uh, diminished. So that would be my only recommendation. Other than that, it's fantastic. Okay. Any other questions? I, I do I do accept that motion. Okay. That friend. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Go ahead, Member Carter. Yeah, I have some concerns over starting at 50. Um, hmm. Okay. She said you have to finish the motion. So um, Member Cunningham has made an official motion. But hold on, but what if I want to amend that motion? Like... Oh no! Actually, I was just adding language, and so he said he accepted. But we're not, it's no motion on the board. I was just okay. adding that. Yeah, yeah. I I would like us to to think about that a little bit more. Um, I think we've talked about this before. Um, a lot of our seniors have already brought homes, are already in their older age, and a little some of uh, I won't say all, but. Some are are well off than the younger generation, and I think we need to build the black economy fast <laughs> and make us strong. So those are my only thoughts on that. And I also think it makes them more vulnerable to put them. I would suggest to start at 30, 35, 30. Member Irving? This is just so because in the next one, I know the, exactly. the disbursement 18 to 49, and maybe we can talk about how those disbursements went go. But for this one being very specific to our elder population or our older population, I think that's the that's the difference, right? It's not saying that the other groups won't get it in a different lump sum. So maybe we can build out that language, but I think just protecting that class of elders is important. And I, yeah, I would, Member Landry. And I would add, like we heard from the public uh, earlier, you know, there's those who is like, I hope to live to see that I get it. So, you know, um, yeah, I just wanted to add that. Thank you. Any other questions before I come back to Ec Member Ekinem for a motion? Okay, seeing none. Member Ekinem. So reparations, lump sum, disbursement, um, those with disabilities and those who are 50 or over are 10 payments, 60 or over five payments, 70 or over two payments. Um, I think we don't have to put the Y correct, correct. piece. So okay. 
Thank you for that. Is there a second? Member Cunningham, second. Nope. We, I, I didn't talk about the actual timing of the rollout that's going to be for the Office of Reparations. I just wanted to give a general, I just wanted to give a general structure on what that disbursement might look like. The actual rollout will be the office's jurisdiction. Yep. Member Barry. Since 25 doesn't articulate that, maybe there's some way we need to put that in there so somebody doesn't get it twisted that just 50 and up will get a lump sum. Okay. Okay. So why don't we... Hold on. We have a motion on the floor. Uh, so how do we amend said motion on the floor procedurally? Um, we could take the vote on the motion that's already been accepted, and then we can amend that. Okay. And what was the amendment, which is just to say that disabilities? Oh, no. Or you can withdraw the motion, and then we just start over. Let's do that. That'd be simplest. Okay. So, Member Akinem, what's your motion? I'm going to withdraw that motion. Okay. Um, but... Just to be clear, what we have as far as 24 is pretty clear for our elders. Okay. Yes. Now we take a look at 25 uh, with permission of the chair. Yes. Okay. Uh, reparation lump sum. This is really 18 to 49. We, I was taking a look at this. And when we were talking about it in committee, this would actually be investment accounts. And that would mature when someone hits 49. We, we weren't thinking every year that the people would, would get something. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Member Irving. I can you just explain how the investment account would work and when folks would actually be able to get their funds or see funds in their yeah. hands? So the way that we talked about this is that this would be an investment fund and it would be paid in every year and they would get the full five million at 49. Now we can, I just put it out there, we can amend this, right? And so we can say we if if we do this then we just have to come up with some schedule for disbursement just to make sure i'm be, i'm yeah, understanding yeah. this so we would just say like right, i'm 41 who knows tomorrow's not promised to any of us i'd have to wait till i'm 49 to see this that that's the way that we were thinking about this okay no okay because yeah. <laughs> I, I mean think about our brothers yeah. think about these folks who are not living to see this age mm -hmm. just talked about the life expectancy but the life expectancy for a black man for a black young male for a number of people yeah. right people who have sicknesses and illnesses and just the way that folks in our community who are dying of all the pollutants and toxins mm -hmm. and cancers and so that's a hard one for me okay okay just help okay. me help me help me help me hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm down with like the if we amend language to think about like you said payments over time mm -hmm. and a year every year I'm um, something like okay. that but okay. just the, to wait to their 49 doesn't seem. I'm going to put something out here then right so 18 to 30 um, and then from 30 to 49 maybe there are two two options for disbursement um, and so. What's how many years is that? Oh. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Oh, he was trying to finish. Let him finish his yeah. thought and then we'll, we'll come to your question. I was uh, 18 to 49. How many years is that? Why don't we just 21? 21. No, 31. Why don't we just 
five million per year uh, divided by that number, and they they get a, a check every year. How's that sound? I don't know how. I mean, you're asking. I'm, I'm, me, I'm asking. I'm, I'm, I'm asking us. There's going to be folks in the community that are going to be fired up about mm -hmm. it. But then I think about, and this is, it is not for us to say how folks should receive, not receive, but if they're mature enough to do it, because I'm trying to think of the rationale, right? Mm -hmm. Like an 18 year old getting $5 million today. I have a 20, I have an 18 year old and I have a 23 year old. Mm -hmm. So I get it. And I love that's me, but I worry that I'm making a decision about how other people's children, young folks, young adults should invest their money. I would like uh, once a year personally, mm -hmm. because I don't know that my 23 year old and 18 year old need 5 million in their hand today. Mm -hmm. However, Right. Like, I just think we'd get a huge pushback from community and from the public. OK, so let me go to Member Cunningham and then Member Carter. So I would um, because you have the breakdown um, of like 10 payments for those who are 50 and over and so forth, I would recommend that from 18 to 25, it's annually. But at 20, those who are 25 and older could be. So since you already have the 10 payments, um, to break that down to maybe 15 payments, 25 to 49, um, something like that. But I think I'm with you too. I have a 26 and 19 and it's like, no, absolutely not. But, um, but I think at 25 or 26, you know, folks are, you know, we should, and we have class, we'll have classes available for teaching people about um, funds and money and investment and stuff like that. So my thought process would be from 18 to 25 would be annually and then do payments after that. But I also want to be mindful that when you do do payments, if you're doing longevity payments, again, trying to get a piece of property in San Francisco is going to be very, very difficult. Right. So I just want to bring that to, because right now, um, was it 32 years from 18? That's $156,250. Mm -hmm. You're going to need to get loans again. So if we're really trying to be mindful of not getting loans and getting caught up in that, you know, we don't want to limit people. And then our life expectancy, what is it, 36, Mr. Um, uh, Irvin? No, our, our, our mean um, age is, is 30, which is eight years younger than. Okay. So I think we should really consider that. Maybe okay. 30 and up, get lump sums, you know, a couple payments, maybe even changing. I was fine with the 10 payments for those are 50, but if we want to cut that in half and do five, um, payments for 50 and over and those with disabilities instead of 10 and then 60, you know, maybe three years and so forth, and then cut ours down so that we are meeting that 30-year um, medium. So as you consider that, Member Carter. Yes, I think I echo Member Cunningham. I like the annual payments for 18 to 25. And after that, I think everyone should have lump sum payments, especially our seniors 50 and over. I do not like the idea of them having 10 payments. Um, so yeah, 18 to 25 annual after 25 lump sum. Member Star Williams would like to comment. Yes, Member Williams. I believe the age for um, people that are like, for younger people should be 18 to 23 because that um the age of 23 is when like people start to get out of college and also and actually settle into like working in society and i believe that um recent college graduates probably need more money in order to secure housing and also um to have a net to fall back on when they are trying to find a job 
Thank you, Member Williams. Any other thoughts towards a recommendation from Member Ekinem? Who I'm going to come back to for <laughs> a motion. Uh, okay. Um, so the body feels strongly that it should be 25 or 23 versus 30 for the lump sum. I'm fine with 25 or 30, so. Yeah, 30. I can do 30. Okay. If, if I say 30, I need everyone to sort of get on board. So that's why I'm asking. This is not just, you know, my show. I mean, it's I think the show. idea is that, you know, like white wealth didn't have an age on it. <laughs> like, you know, like, so I don't know why we put in all these stipulations and it didn't have financial literacy on it. None of those things was imposed on that community. And um, by the books of things, they did just fine. So um, I like 25. If the committee is more comfortable with 30, I'm going to support that. But I know by 25, a lot of our other community members, I mean, not community members necessarily, other groups are purchasing homes and already building wealth. And I like I would like us to consider that. Thank you, Member Carter. Member Cunningham, Member Barry, and then we're going to back to Member Ekinem. What if we did two payments? So, or, so is, let me say zero. So 18 to 25 annually, but on their 25th birthday-ish, they got half of whatever was left and then the other half at 30. Or... Because we, I mean, I'm totally fine with trusting the fact that we'll have enough education for people to make the appropriate decisions for themselves in their life at 25. Um, but at this, and and really considering the fact that our our lifespans are less, so I'm fine with the 25. Um, our sister on the phone, um, 23. I hear you. But you also still a, can be a dependent of your fam, your parents until 26. So there may be some issues with that. So I can't go or 20, at least 25 to that particular um, piece, not to disregard you as our youngest member. I do appreciate your feedback. Um, but yeah, so I would say if we wanted to break it down with the two payments lump, big chunk at 25, big chunk at 30, um, or we'll just go with then, and then everyone then would get. Okay. Can I enclose this? So one, one more member, Barry, and then coming back to you, member Ekinem. Thank you, Chair. I definitely think we need to do something um, for those as soon as they turn 18, Whether whatever you decide uh, you want to make your motion as. And I just want to speak for the other end of the spectrum. At 21, they sent my tail to war in charge of the whole communications fleet with nuclear weapons and whatnot. So I That's think true. I could have um, spent my money wisely at that age when they had me make those kind of decisions. So I don't want to um, stereotype our 18-year-olds. And uh, if we do installments, some sort of payment until a certain age, and then the rest, I think that would be great. Okay. Then are we done? Yes. 
then I'd like to, uh, instead of 25 and 26 as they are written, I'd like to um, say something to this, like this. Reparations, lump sum, and disbursement, 18 to 25, um, they'd get an annual payment. Um, at the age of 25, they'd get half of whatever's left, and at the 30, the remainder of what that is. Um, now, I did have $100,000 for every year between 18 and 25 does do we want to specify that I, no okay i wouldn't specify because we don't know what the agreement that the board will be okay that was good so okay so I said, uh hold on just want to make sure that kathy and we have to let you guess you have the language oh, i'm sorry no can member i can I repeat that language please Hold on for one second. Okay. So reparations lump sum disbursement um, between the age of 18 to 25, there will be annual payments made. Half of whatever's left will be dispersed. At 25 years old. The remainder will be dispersed at 30. Sound good? Thank you. Member Barry. Yes, does that negate the other, the age 72 payments, the, the 50 to 60? Like? Yes. Okay. So so this get um negates that. Yes. Member Irving. I think we have to somehow say it because it leaves them out if we do not put that age group. We stop at 30. So we're going to have to say an over 30 full, right? One, one thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to say that the that age group that you probably have to stop. So 18 to 25, and you, people 18 to 25. There will be annual payments made. Half of whatever is left will be dispersed at 25 years old. The remainder will be dispersed at 30. And over 30, um, you will get a full payment. Okay. I move to pass hold the on, amended. Hold, I just want to make sure we have the language. And yeah, hold on one second. But thank you. Appreciate the zeal. Kathy, director. Uh, okay, there I am. There is some confusion because member Ekanim had stated 18 to 25 year old annual payments will be made out of whatever is left will be dispersed at 25 and the remainder will be dispersed at 30 or distributed at 30. Um, half of the remainder will be will be distributed dispersed at 25 and the remaining half would be at 30 so will they have a 5 year gap where they don't get a payment also oh, what you saying is from yes 25 to 30 what's happening got a half yeah i mean half yeah so 18 to 25, you get an annual payment. Yeah, every year, 18 to 25, you get Divide one. by 32. And then at 
at, at 25, 25. Mm-hmm. you'd get you'd get half of whatever's remaining half of whatever's remaining and then at 30 you'd get the other half oh, that, that sounds good yeah, yeah. Because again, and, and yeah and again and and above 30 you'd get your, your full payment so the answer to your question kath is yes there would be a five-year gap in payments okay. annually they're gaining interest also right i don't no, they're getting the money, whatever they do with it. Is they gain interest in whatever account it's in. That's up to them. That's up to them. Okay. Oh, divide by 31. Yeah. Someone's in that account on here in That's going to be up to the Office of Reparations. And the only reason why I say that is because they might not earmark that money right away. That's correct. Yeah. And to be clear, the um, annual payment for the 18 to 25-year-olds is divided by 31 because that is eight the difference between 18 and 49 years old is 31 so everything stops at 30 okay so it's 12 so 18 so 18 to 25 is going to be a certain amount and then whatever from 25 to 30 there's going to be split in two so it's just divided by 12 now but okay. remember at 35 you're going to get half, half. And then you wait five years and get the other half. Okay. Okay. We clear on the language. One I don't. More time. From the top. <laughs> okay. Kathy, was that a yes? Um, reparations, lump sum disbursement. Eighteen to twenty-five year olds will receive annual payments. No, I'm not. I, we need to, because I didn't have the 12. You have it? Okay, Brittany has it. So the motion by member Ekinem is to amend the language to read reparations lump sum disbursement between the ages of 18 to 25 years old. There will be annual payments made at an amount of 5 million divided by 12 with half of that, the remainder dispersed at 25 years old and the other half dispersed at 30 years old. Member, Member Carter. Okay, Member Brown. You guys are going to be pissed. <laughs> um, okay, let me ask a clarifying question. Was the thought process behind 24 about economic feasibility of the payment payout? Yeah, I thought so. Um, I actually like 24. I have no, I don't know about 18 to 49. Um, sorry. No, no. That was my clarifying question though, just because I, I figured, is that why you, you went with that route? Because it was more doable to do $500,000 a year for people that are 50 and over. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I originally put this language in place because regardless, like um, with the 15 over, for example, I'm sorry. Hello. No, no. Thank you. So with the folks who are 15, like over just, just from the numbers perspective, um, I think that would have sort of put us at around six to 7,000, maybe 9,000 um, people who would be qualify for that money right and so the city could actually absorb that potentially um and then i did or we in in the committee we, we talked about 
this other way of having an investment fund so that this money can grow over time. Again, making it very feasible for the city to potentially do something like that. Um, now, we're not doing that and that's fine, right? I just want to, I want. I do want to put this forward. I think we can put the other reasoning in notes somewhere, um, which is fine and leave it up to the Office of Reparations to sort of figure out how, how to sort of make, make that work. But to your point, yeah, this was about making as feasible as possible to get that money into the hand of our elders. And then the kids would wait a little bit, right? Um, but. Okay. Um, member Cunningham. You do. Um, can I, um, would Ms. Chicada read off had the actual $5 million number? I would just advise that we don't put the number um, and just say the amount approved. And the reason why I say that is because if they decided to say $4,999,999, that could be a problem with our particular language. So I would just say the amount that is approved um, versus the actual dollar amount. I actually like putting the dollar amount in there and simply because one, these are recommendations, right? So it's absolutely up, up to them ultimately, right? Whether they're going to sort of um, take them verbatim or massage them, which is to totally their prerogative. Um, but I think just being in integrity with everything we've said to date, right? We've, we've been talking about the $5 million. Let's put it in there. Okay. Thank you. We have member Irving. <laughs> Sorry. So my, my concern about putting the number in this one and not a separate one, that's what I was whispering to you, is if I just want to throw out the whole recommendation, I throw it all out as opposed to a recommendation. I throw out the five million and say, oh, I'll do a different amount. But if it's all in that one recommendation, if they say, yep, we don't agree with that, this is then we lose problem. the money and the disbursement. Uh, right. So I wonder if the, if the five million dollars is its own separate. It's already been discussed. No, it is its own. And it, it that's actually in the draft mm -hmm. um, that we already have from December 2022. So we've already said that. So that's a separate line item. This is specifically about how would one disperse that? OK, so it is 100 percent still in there. Five million dollars, no matter what. Okay. Yep. yep. OK, so we have language as Director Chiquata read. Any other questions? Personally, I, I, I actually think that this is this is a good place to land. I think my only caveat would be in the in the report, potentially in the footnote, I like the other way to sort of be explained so people could sort of see you know, what our thinking was around the other recommendation or the other disbursement model. Um, but other than that, I'm, I'm good with sort of moving this forward. Okay. You're good. Okay. So we have a motion. A motion to approve the language. That Brittany read. <laughs> and and just um, yes, ma'am. As a point of clarification, that did not include the previous discussion on adding people with disabilities. Yeah, actually, it was okay. I figured the ages, um, eighteen to thirty. I think that the disbursement for somebody who's disabled at twenty-one is is fine receiving the annual payments. Thank you. 
Chair, can we repeat the language? Director Chiquata, would you repeat the language, please? Yes, Chair. The motion by member Ekenem is to amend the language for item 24 to read reparations lump sum disbursement between the ages of 18 to 25 years old. There will be annual payments made at a rate of 5 million divided by 12 with half of the remainder dispersed at 25 years old and the remaining half dispersed at 30. And over 30 full payment. And for over 30 full payment, full payment would be made. Full lump sum payment. Yes. Would that be 30, not over 30, but 30 years old? And over, like 30, 60, 30 yeah. Yeah. 30 plus. Yeah. I move to pass the language as read by the Madam Secretary. I second. I second. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Ekenem was second. Barry was motioner. Okay. Same house, same call. Thank you very much. Okay. We can move then. Aye. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you all very much. Important discussion. Um, we're on number 26. Yeah. Tax abatement on all sales tax for 250 years for people who qualify. Any questions? Member Carter. <laughs> Can't hear you. Yeah, we turn that off. There you go. There you go. Yeah, the 250 years. Okay, so your proposal would be? My proposal would be for 50 years in hopes that, you know, by then Black San Francisco be in a better place and can afford to add to the economy with taxes. But yeah, 50 years. The reason why 250 years was chosen, I think from the very beginning, right? We talked about 250 years of, of the harm that's been done. So all this needs to stretch for 250 years. And I also think that, um, in addition to, there are other ways that we will contribute to it, to the economy. So for example, if you take a look at COVID, right? Finland did something very different from the United States. The United States gave their money to banks and said, oh, this is great. Finland actually gave their money to the people and said, here's $40,000, go spend. They actually helped to boost that like economy. So I actually feel that, you know, having this 250 years out is totally fine, right? I think it sort of speaks to, again, our brand and what we said we wanted to do. And we're giving people money, so hopefully that'll be able to sort of spur the economy locally more than anything else. Thank you. Member Cunningham. And I just want to say that I think in general, 50 years, we've had way more harm than that. So I am pro the 250 years. I don't think that we're going to be able to turn things completely around in just 50 years. And I think of, you know, being 46 and what we're still going through as a community. Um, I think we we need more time. So I'm for the 250. Thank you. I move to pass item 26. Sir, second. Second. Second, Member Cunningham. Do we have to do roll call if there's objection? After you do same house, same call, she can say um, dissent with Carter in the dissent. We should do roll call if there's dissent. 
That's what I thought. Roll call, please. Okay. Okay. Same house, same call. Aye. 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 Excellent. Great. Thank you very much. 26, move to 27. Uh, guaranteed insurance backed and paid for by the city at no cost. And sorry, that this was specifically um, housing insurance. And this, the reason why um, is that we're seeing this across the, the nation right now where insurance rates are actually skyrocketing in places that are experiencing floods, for example, in climate change. The flooding that's happened, for example, illustrates parts of like Bayview. Like, I'm just really concerned that people in these floodplains will actually get priced out of like insurance like in the future. So if you qualify for this program, right, I think that this is one of the benefits that you should definitely try to get. Yeah, I'm sorry. So guaranteed insurance backed and paid or by the city at no cost to black people who qualify. Yeah. <laughs> uh, member Barry. Yeah, just can you repeat that, Member? Yeah. I... So, yeah. Guaranteed insurance backed, sorry, guaranteed home insurance. So, I'm, I apologize. So, guaranteed home insurance backed and paid, paid for by the city at no cost to Black residents who qualify for this program. Sorry, who, who qualify for reparations? Home insurance. Home insurance. He said home. Would, would you? Home, okay, home and renters. <laughs> Just a point. Um, would you also want to include commercial property that is purchased by Black yes. people? Thank you. All right, so let's try language. Hold on before you try language because remember Cunningham, please. Oh, no, go ahead. Okay, please, new language, expanded language. Guaranteed home, renters, and commercial insurance backed and paid for by the city at no cost to people who qualify. Okay, any other questions? I'll make a motion to pass that language. Member Cunningham motion. Second. Se seconded by Barry. Any other questions? Same house, same call? Aye. No. Okay. Roll call, please. Um, Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Cunningham. Or Rico <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> oh. Nicole Cunningham. <laughs> Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter. No. Gwendolyn Brown. Anita Ekinem. Aye. Leticia Irving. Yes. Okay. Okay, it passes with eight. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Moving to 28. Right. Genealogy fund to, to be used with Black affirming and Black-owned genealogy companies like the California Black Genealogical Society and AfricanAncestry.com. So people just need to be able to pay for genealogy. Member Barry. 
just um, for the record to reflect, this was included in the education committee, but oh. to add um, this language with the genealogical society, that was not. So if we could combine those two in the report. That's good. Okay. So we'll hold that in mind when we come to education. All right. So language, we're good. Mm -hmm. So I need a motion. A motion to approve the language. So motion by Econem, second by Landry. Same house, same call. Yep, aye. Huh? We, yeah, we have to call roll this time. Because we, because, because we had a no on the last Correct. One. Thank you very much. Okay, roll call, please. So it wouldn't Eric, be the same house, same call. That makes sense to me. <laughs> Thank Eric, you. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. Nicole Cunningham. Aye. Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter. Aye. Gwendolyn Brown. Aye. Anita Ekinem. Aye. Letitia Irving. Okay, the motion passed unanimously. Yeah. So I can be same house next time, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to withdraw number 29. Okay. 29 withdrawn. Um, number 30, public banking, remove check systems and credit scores and instead use alternate means of evaluation. What questions? I'm sorry. Yes. Alternate social credit scores, et cetera. So Presently with banking, right? You use FICO, they use check systems and a bunch of other things that in general, people, our folks can't pass, can't use. There are other alternate means if you talk to, you know, VCs in the social impact space, et cetera, other investment models. So what I'm saying is let's put those forward as our primary ways of evaluating folks versus the traditional sort of FICO things that exclude us. Thank you. Member Barry. Since the majority of banks are national, can they do that locally? And then can we possibly add this as rental companies in San Francisco cannot use FICO score to determine if a person can rent the unit? Interesting. Okay. I'd like to hear some of the other questions. <laughs> that was my question. Rental? No, the, the national. Oh. What kind of member Irving, we can't hear you. I was just saying, Member Barry's first question was my question about if we can uh, allow something like that locally if it's national. Mm -hmm. So, specifically, I called out the public banking option here that we actually control uh, mm -hmm. here in Tinian County of San Francisco. Um, ultimately, and I'm just think, thinking out loud and, and really not here, there are, I think there are policy things that we could potentially put in place for national players, but that's bigger than this conversation like right now. So I want to uh, really sort of talk to the public banking option and what they can use as far as um, evaluating. Okay. Yes, Member Brown. I'd like to make a motion. I want to motion to accept 30. Okay. I'll second. Motion to accept 30. Is there a second? Second. Member Carter, second. 
Are we same, same house, house, same call? Same house, same call. Thank you. Point of clarification on the last motion. Was there an amendment to as member Beria, member Barry, excuse me, um, had elevated? Was there an amendment? The rental? There was not an amendment. There was not an amendment. Okay. And because this is a public banking option, I don't know how to enforce that one. It is okay. Okay. So now we're moving on, on to housing. And I want to thank everyone for like for this. I, I I know there's a lot here, but I think it, it's good stuff. Um prioritize, prioritize the creation of low income and ultra low income housing with it based on percentage of income, not affordability, which excludes us. At present, you must make at least forty-five thousand dollars to even be considered for an affordable housing rental. Average black income in San Francisco is $31,000, according to the HR, SFHRC report. So would you say the the, the um, recommendation language, apart from the, the facts, just one more time? Mm -hmm. So um, prioritize the creation of low income and ultra low income housing um, with it based on percentage of income, not affordability. Okay. Member Barry. Would that be a policy issue? Because um, to where are we? Number number thirty-one. It's thirty-one. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because to prioritize, it's like unless that's a policy through planning, it has to be a city policy to have them not consider income because it's city policy to have them consider income. Mm hmm You're right. Is, is there an, an amendment or yeah. I'm not sure? I would just like to see it include language to uh, make city policy. Let's make it city policy. Because okay, so, so to make to make a city policy to prioritize the creation. Okay. Amended. <clears throat> uh, Member Cunningham. So my question uh, would be when you have based on percentage, what percentage? Um, for instance, if you use Section 8, Section 8 is 30% of the income. And so I think if you put a, which the, the um, actually the state already approves uh, Section 8 all over California, so, um, or all over the country, but it, with the 30% of their income qualification makes more sense than just percentage, because they can, the city can say, okay, 90%. You know, so the 30% is the traditional um, amount for Section 8. So someone who, which also is covered if the person does not have income, for instance, laid off work or whatever, um, they will cover the entire amount of the rent. Okay. And I would even add the words equivalent to Section 8 or equivalent to the current Section 8 policy because they could change that and make it 40%. Right. So currently in 2023, it's 30% and has been for a lot of years. So to make it city policy to prioritize the creation of low income and ultra low income housing with it based on 30% or equivalent to current Section 8 policy. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Okay. Any other questions? Thank you. So is there a motion? I make a motion to accept the language. As is um, that acronym amended. 
Moved by Member Cunningham. Is there a second? Second. Same house, same call? Yes. Aye. Thank Aye. you. Thank you. Thank you. Moving then to number 32. Okay. So th this is another policy issue. Sorry, Dan. Um, use current available housing stock for market rate housing. According to the American Council survey, there are 40,000 vacant units in San Francisco. Um, the rest of that is sort of more explanation. That would be the policy piece. So it would be so because right now they're prioritizing market rate. And what I'd like them to do is actually do sort of percentage or, you know, um, yeah, the percentage that we just sort of talked about. So my only piece here is say, hey, go back to your equations and take into account that we have 40,000 vacant units. Make those available now, right? So we can prioritize the building of, of all the things that we actually need. Okay, so try the language one more time. To make it city policy, to use current available housing stock for market rate housing. According to the American Council survey, there were 40,000 vacant units in San Francisco. Okay, thank you. Hold that thought, Member Baird. Yes, can we also include, this will be a long recommendation, but to include that fines that are allocated to these people that have these vacant units be, be allocated to the reparations fund. The vacancy tax fund money here. I like that. And so because okay, and then so then a portion of the one hundred percent or a portion of one hundred percent sounds good. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay hold on. Yep. Okay, so now it reads. To make a city policy to prioritize the use of current available housing stock for market rate housing, according to the American Council survey, there are 40,000 vacant units uh, and 100% of the vacant the vacancy taxes to go to the reparations fund. Any questions? Is there a motion? Wait, hang on, one question, sorry. Uh-oh, I'm Member so Cunningham. sorry. Uh, tell me the language of market rate what do we mean by that? Um, just what's available like on, on the market. So right now, when, when they take a look at how they fund, right, it means you can just go in and plop down a million dollars on a house and, and that's fine, right? Okay. And so they they build affordability off of that number, right? And so um, they, they have, you can, the minimum amount that you can make to even apply for affordability is something that most Black people in San Francisco can't even mm -hmm. approach, right? Um, and so what we're saying here is, hey, make the current vacant units available now, right? Mm -hmm. um, which would flood the market, which would bring prices down considerably, right. and then use, to, uh, to, to someone's point, to use the vacancy tax and actually have help that feed the reparations fund. So how much would those 40,000 40, units be? 
for what are they what market rate are the people making right now their market rate i mean they okay. people are holding them so they they can do whatever they want they're just not making them available okay then they're making available for anybody right yeah. now got you so it's not for specifically black people no. just okay got you thank you for that clarification thank you member carter oh member brown so i would like to add to the language find out which private equity firms conglomerates Etc. Um, and figure out how to add black property managers. I don't think the issue is um, lack of trying for the vacancy. There's a the vacancy is probably a bunch of studios and one bedrooms. Um, I think the issue that you're having is lack of um, engagement with the black community who has Section Eight mm -hmm. to fill those units. Um, so I'm wondering if there's a way to prioritize black-owned property management companies to help fill those vacancies with Section 8 uh, holders or the Black community, period. Thank you. Member Cunningham. I like the idea of the Black management company, but not just um, of Black people that work there because I have lived in a place with uh, Black-led management who were horrible. So I just want to be mindful that I think the management uh, management company needs to be looked at and we need to take these um, properties out of John Stewart's hands because all of their governed properties, um, they have horrible people who are running them. So the city needs to remove them up out of um, the low-income properties for sure. Um, but I think we need to vet those people some kind of way because I have witnessed the abuse from those who look just like us. Just want to plug that on the record. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Potential new language. Thank you. To make it city policy to prioritize the youth. Sorry, hold on for one sec. to make it city policy to use current available housing stock for market rate housing. According to the American Council survey, there are 40,000 vacant units, 100% of the vacancy taxes to go to the reparations fund, incent black owned or black affirming property managers to help fill those units. That work. And can I add to that language? Um, I'm not sure if this is the right place or do we have anything that says that you can use section eight vouchers to pay your mortgage? I don't think we do, but that that would be a, a a separate recommendation. That's federal. Well, I know different counties do it, but San Francisco does not do that. For fifteen years, you do. Thank you, Member Carter. Member Barry. Yes, you actually still can use Section Eight to purchase to pay your mortgage for a program. The problem is San Francisco doesn't have one property that participates in the program. I looked. Mm -hmm. Okay. So motion to um, approve the measure as stated. No. Do the chair, can you repeat that? Yeah, I'm going to repeat it one more time. To make a city policy to use current available housing stock for market rate housing. According to the American Council survey, there are 40,000 vacant units or vacancies. 100% of the vacancy tax 
is to go to the reparations fund, incent black owned or black affirming property managers to, to help fill those units. Not in this one, but I'd be willing to sort of have that be a, a separate a separate recommendation. Okay. All right. So this one will stay at remain as just stated. I still have a friendly amendment. Member Bear. And to find those that do not comply because it's the law. find those they're not being fined they're getting warned but they're supposed to be fined according to the law it's not being enforced uh, you're not allowed to not rent to people with section eight they use other criteria too but they they certainly before you know Okay. Okay. Let's try the language one more time. To make a city policy to use current available housing stock for market rate housing, according to the American Council survey, there are forty thousand vacant units or vacancies. A hundred thousand. Sorry, hundred percent of the vacancy taxes that go to the reparations fund, um, and fines must be enforced. So it's not complying with the Section Eight law. To make it city policy to use current available housing stock for market rate housing, according to the American Council survey, there are 40,000 vacancies, 100% uh, of the vacancy ta taxes that go to the reparations fund, and fines must be enforced for those not complying with Section 8. Incent Black-owned or Black-affirming property managers to help fill those units. Sound good? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No. Um, what a what, why market rate housing? I'm not below market rate or forward, like why market rate? Okay, so the reason for this is that right now they're saying, hey, so the plan is, hey, we need that we we need to have more market rate housing in San Francisco, right? And so we're going to build a bunch of market rate housing. What we're saying is, wait, you already have 40,000 vacant units. You don't actually need to build anymore. You just have to use what you have. Because then the flip side of that is that it then allows them to free up and actually build other types of housing that actually better suits our community. That was my question. Um, so these were not- Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. Member Barry. Thank you, Chair. The actual state law that San Francisco has to build, unfortunately, more market rate housing. The problem is they've reached their goal in that, but they still haven't have more to do as mandated by the state. But where they're failing is to comply with their amount of affordable housing each year. So we do, I mean, regardless, I'm sure there are affordable housing units that are vacant. And unfortunately, they're going to raise the amount to 176000 to qualify for affordable housing. But, um, well, there's an initiative out there. It hasn't passed yet. So I think we probably should include affordable housing 
and maybe some preference to those with the black card. <laughs> Thank you, Member Cunningham. I think so that that was to my question of the 40,000 is making it available to whoever wants to rent. And within that, um, the piece of them having to rent or they cannot discriminate against people who have Section 8, which people absolutely have, because I've been discriminated myself when I had my voucher, even though me and my then husband and children collectively made almost 160 something thousand in San Francisco, you could make a family of four up to like 195,000 and still have a section eight voucher. I just want to say that that just tells you how, how crazy it, expensive it is. Um, people did discriminate. So now what they do is they don't say, oh no, we don't take section eight. They'll look at your credit score or they want to use other ways to disqualify you. So um, in these particular 40,000 units, it's to their market rate. So they need to be renting to somebody is I think what this particular um, measure is, is to rent to somebody. And you can rent to people with Section 8 because you will have a voucher that covers two bedroom, three bedroom, whatever, which are market rates. So it, sometimes it's actually a little bit more than what the current rent is. So right now, I think a two bedroom was like $3,200. Now it's actually $3,400. So if someone wants to rent a two bedroom for $2,900, a person with a two bedroom voucher can qualify for that particular unit. And they can't tell you we don't take section eight, but they will be looking at the credit scores and things like that, which is why it's a good idea to not use those. Thank you. How are you feeling? Okay, I can abstain, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she can. Okay. Okay. So does that cause any amendment to your language? No. No. Okay. I make a motion that we accept the language that um, member Eckenham has introduced. Is there a second? Second member Carter. Roll call, please. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton, Nicole Cunningham, Aye. Gloria Berry, Aye. Daniel Landry, Aye. Tiffany Carter, Aye. Gwendolyn Brown, Aye. Anita Ekenham, Yes. And Letitia Irving. Okay, it passed unanimously. Thank you. No, it didn't pass unanimously. She, ab she abstained. Oh, abstained. Who abstained? Member Irving. Oh, sorry. Okay, and passed with eight. Thank you. Okay, moving to number 33. Um, all new, newly built affordable housing should have equity-based commercial storefronts. I move to pass 33. Second. Yeah, Me meaning, you know, the storefronts, Black business owners can actually go in and actually be able to either buy or rent, et cetera. Um, in support of Black businesses, most of the people that live in those housing should be able to also operate a small business at the storefront, um, at the lower levels. Understood. So we have a motion. And a second. Roll call, please. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. Aye. 
Nicole Cunningham. Aye. Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter. Aye. Gwendolyn Brown. Aye. Anita Ekinem. Aye. And Letitia Irving. Yes. Okay. That passed unanimously with nine. Thank you very much. Uh, moving to number 34. So we did something like this for small business. Um, and this is specifically for home loans, 0% interest. Make a motion to pass 34. It's yeah. motion and second, uh, member Brown and second member Cunningham. Any other dis questions or discussion? Seeing none, same house, same call. Ah. Aye. Excellent. Uh, 35 and 36. 35 is really, in talking to the seniors, Eric and I had a great time sort of doing it. One of the things mm. that, that they sort of said is it would be really great to sort of have uh, senior living, additional senior living like available. That, that's really all this is. We can make a motion on this one also, and we could tie it in with 35, 36. Okay. Um, and then 36 LGBT seniors, they want us like a place to sort of grow old too. Second so. the motion. All right. I'm sorry. I have a clarifier. I remember Cunningham. So for the first one, I'm totally fine with, but for um, Black LGBTQ seniors, um, there's a lot of issues with Black LGBTQ in general. Do we want to open up some available housing for them specifically, or do we want to just keep it about seniors? Is no. there is there anywhere else that has some? So, so this specifically was from conversations with Black LGBT seniors and community. Um, really sort of wanting this like idea of being able to sort of age, uh, get old together, be able to sort of just be in a black LGBT sort of space. Mm -hmm. um, that's that, that's a, a little different, right? Like, So we don't have any for younger specifically? <clears throat> oh, no. So the reason why I bring this up, uh, my son just went to uh, college at uh, Long Beach and I specifically told him as LGBTQ member, I need you to first find a space that you will be loved that you're already black. So he found that they actually had an LGBTQ dorm that was for anyone who was LGBTQ and allies. And he was happy as all get out. Mm -hmm. So I just want to speak to not just seniors, but if we don't have a space for younger people or for LGBTQ in general, I think we need to create that. So I don't know if this is the appropriate place to create it, but I know he felt safe, he was happy, and he was content in that space. And that was important to me as his Black mama. I love with it. My Black son. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, I would like to slightly change then. One, um, to so I guess thirty six would, would really be to create black senior how, uh, living housing and also to create black LGBT senior living housing also. It's senior twice, so black senior living separate and then black LGBTQ. Yeah. That's what she. That's what she. That's what she said. I'm sorry. Yeah. So these two are specifically speaking to seniors. Right, black seniors, general, and then the other one specifically, black LGBT seniors. Okay, but I'm looking for black LGBTQ altogether. My son's 19. <laughs> yeah, so that would be a like a potentially like a different one. Okay. A new. Okay, can we we can't just like add an A there, like uh, A and B, or <laughs> yeah, like so we have black LGBTQ. 
senior living, mm-hmm. black LGBTQ living. Because they need to feel safe everywhere. Yep. And you already black. <laughs> we are you know what I'm saying? Oh, plan. So I'd like to introduce that as as a third. So we have black senior housing, black LGBTQ senior living, and then just black LGBTQ living. Right. So, I, right. Approve, I agree. So there are that. three. Yes. I make a motion to include all three as member Ekinem just proposed. Second. Same house, same call. Yes. <laughs> No, no, that's great. Thank you so much. Really, yeah. really. And I love y'all. Just, just, so nice. this is good. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, 37. Moving on to spatial justice. Thank you for keeping us on task, my friend. Um, so this, this is a big one. <clears throat> Government buildings that are being leased or sold in redevelopment areas that adversely affected Black residents must pay 50% of their gross receipts into the reparations fund. Is the is the adversely affected? Is that a past tense? Well, in redevelopment areas that adversely affected Black residents, yes, it is past tense. Okay, yes. all right, I understand it. Member Carter, Member Brown, can we just say all government buildings? Why are we limiting it to um, redevelopment areas? I was specifically looking at those areas where government buildings were placed um, and we were displaced. Now, um, I would be open to a friendly amendment. Yes, I would like to amend the motion or make a motion and amend it mm-hmm. um, that all government buildings are being leased or sold in San Francisco, pay 50% of their gross receipts, gross, rece- gross receipts since the reparations fund. Actually, I want to say a minimum, a minimum of 50%. Second. Let's, let's get language and then we'll come back to motion in second. All government buildings that are being leased or sold must pay a minimum of 50% of their gross receipt in the reparations fund. Second. Yes, oh. I second. So moved, Member Ekinem, seconded by Member Brown. Any other questions? Same house, same call. Aye. Aye. Great. Thirty-eight. Ownership transfer to the reparations and land trust for all government unencumbered housing units to include but not limited to apartment buildings, condominiums, single-family residents in the city and county of San Francisco. Um, this speaks to what you were talking about specifically um, around sort mic. of sorry. Section 8 um, management, or, or sorry, management companies who own like significant amounts of property um, that we have to sort of deal with. question what unencumbered refers to i'm going to remove that sorry can you language one more time please 
Ownership transfer to the Reparations Land Trust of all government housing units to include but not limited to apartment buildings, condominiums, or single-family residences in the city and county of San Francisco. Can we amend it to all government property? You mean and not just housing units? Correct. The one before was specifically for build like office buildings. So I thirty seven. You mean? Yes. So okay. I wanted this one to be sort of. But the other one is about gross receipts and not ownership. Okay. I see your point. Remember Cunningham. Um. I would say all government um, involved housing. And I say that because again, the government, um, they tend to do business with people outside. So for instance, I lived at uh, uh, Candlestick Heights and we literally mailed our rent to New York. So we were, they were in partnership with somebody here at the mayor's office or something like that. So I would just say government involved because they may only have a piece Versus they say, oh, we don't own the whole building, so we don't want to do that. Oh, okay. Huh? Oh, we say they did. So ownership transfer to the reparations land trust of all government involved property. Yeah. Sure, it's 37. If you own it, you're gonna pay me the rent, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes me the landlord. So of course I'm gonna get the rent. I think we only say only government because again, they've done business outside. And if they say, well, we only we're partial, right? So if your rent is a thousand dollars, 500 is owned from people in New York and 500 is owned in San Francisco. So if you say they're involved versus they say, we don't own this whole property. We have businesses. Like, like I said, we, we sent our rent to new Jamestown LP in New York, but I lived right there on Jamestown. So then the amended language would be ownership transfer to the to the reparations land trust of all government involved property. That's what because that would also mean vacant land, right? Like let, let, let's have that level of conversation. I think um, as we're sort of taking a look at redlining and all these other things that have sort of gone on. So, uh, like to move for acceptance of the amendment uh, of the recommendation. Second. Moved and seconded. Any other questions? Same house, same call. Aye. Aye. Excellent. Thank you. Um, the next one is really about the Philip 38. Yeah. Thank yes. Uh, Sorry, 39. 39. My apologies. Uh, is about the Fillmore Heritage Center. I'll let you read it. <laughs> it's long. So in essence, um, we would like to get the Fillmore Heritage Center for a dollar for a period of not less than 99 years to use as we see fit. When we say not less than 99 years, like is that to one specific person or is that just to community? Who is that imply to? 
that would be so the way the way in which we were talking about it in community would would be whatever the office is that's sort of going to succeed us they would put out an rfp and make this building available um to the folks who were going to sort of be managing that so This is under the presumption of an office of reparations or who? Yeah. It would either be the office of reparations or, you know. Question, uh, Does is if, if the Fillmore Heritage Center is a government owned building, wouldn't that also go into our fund? OCI. I don't, I don't know. know. Hmm. Redevelopment, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know who I'm that I don't know. Member Landry, turn your mic on. Go for it. This is so the, the, the California Department of Finance, according to the uh the OCI long long range plan, uh, as y'all know, it was a quasi um relationship between them and the city. Uh, currently, the mayor's office of housing have control of the stock of the Fillmore uh, Heritage Center commercial space. Uh, but I don't know how that would play into the uh, recommendation, uh, yeah. Anita, um, in terms of the one year, like member uh, Brown just mentioned, because a lot of times when we have heard from the public speak about this one dollar for property they have compared it with uh city properties that happened in the past and i don't know if that necessarily would fall under fillmore harris to sit as as of today that i don't know mm -hmm. so to your point member brown if yes it is a city sort of property so it would sort of fall under one of our other recommendations um but I also feel that if we're going to take a look at the Fillmore Heritage Center, we've talked about this for a very long time. Um, really, what, what it's getting to is that we should get it under very advantageous terms. Like there have been other sort of museums that have been built for other communities where something like this has happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what, what I'd like to have sort of this recommendation really sort of encompasses this would be one of those institutions within our community where we would apply similar um, methods um, sort of moving forward. So that that's really where I'm, I'm going here. So what I would- Go ahead, Muslim. I would like to sort of motion for acceptance unless there's any other issues. Okay. So moving the language in number 39. So second. I second. Second by Member Brown. Same house, same call. Yes. You're you're missing a member, so you can't do same house, same call. I knew that. I was just testing to make sure <laughs> everyone's paying attention. So roll call. Thank you. Uh, Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. 
Nicole Cunningham, absent. Gloria Berry. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter. Gwendolyn Brown. Aye. Anita Ekenem. Yes. Letitia Irving. Okay, so the motion carried with eight. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, moving to number 40. Uh, now, these were additional commercial spaces along the, like the similar uh, bent. And really, these are all about our cultural spaces, being able to get those for for a dollar within community and be able to uh, do programming out of these spaces. And so the language, I'm sorry, one more time on the on the language. We seek these community space ownership for a dollar um, per year for 99 years. Was there a motion? And are these, just so I'm clear, uh, the ones referenced, but but not limited to mm -hmm. um, city-owned properties? Some are. I'm not quite sure if they all are. So the idea here would be, even if they were private enterprises, that we would um, potentially create a fund to sort of be able to purchase these and make them available to community. So what's the opening language again that on this one? I'm going to change it up a tad bit. Okay. Um, so spatial justice. That's what we should do with the 120 million. Give me one second. To create a fund to purchase communal space. Um, the identified performance venues below are desired by the San Francisco Black Arts Community. Specifically, including but not limited to. Yes, all of these. Okay. Thank you. Is there a motion on that language? Point of, point of clarification. I'm so sorry. Could point of read, clarification. Could you read it one more time into the mic a bit slower? Okay. To create a fund to purchase communal space. Uh, sorry. To create a fund. Uh, to purchase communal space. The identified performance venues below are desired by the San Francisco Black Arts Community, specifically including but not limited to the ones that are below. And then there are com commercial buildings sought, same types of things. Move to accept the language as amended. Member Barry moves. Is there a second? Roll call, please. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. Nicole Cunningham. Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter. Gwendolyn Brown. Anita Ekenem. Aye. Letitia Irving. The motion carried unanimously. Awesome. Thank you very much. Moving to 41. Um, 42. 40, 41. The 41, yeah. You know, no, yeah, no, 42 with John, uh, higher and interim director. So 41, we, we covered already? Yep. Okay. All right. 
42? Yes, 42. Uh, so this is specifically, um, as we've been talking to the Black Employees Network uh, for City and County of San Francisco and others. Is she? When, when was Position filled. So point of clarification was, is there an office? Is there a director of the Office of Racial Equity now? No. Kathy can hear you. No, it, the person is not technically a director. So there's someone. Hired, but there was, in, we recently have hired a person, a liaison. Got it. And is there a reason why it's interim? That the, it's not an interim. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I was going back to member acronym on the recommendation. Would like to remove the word interim. Okay. All right. So the language is hire a director of the Office of Racial Equity and to fully fund and implement our recommendations in the June 2021 report. All right. Is there a motion? I make the motion to accept the language. Uh, member Barry. I would like to um, add to recommend that we include new language on the legislation to where there's some enforcement for departments that do not comply with the Office of Racial Equity. Mm. Would that be in this area, though? It could, it, be, it could be combined because to implement it, there has to be some accountability, and there's no way that office can do anything but ask in the Departments can make a plan, but never execute. Mm -hmm. Member Brown. Um, Member Barry, would it be something like um, all all department budgets need to be approved by the Office of Racial Equity? Budgets are generically stated. Mm -hmm. Like before you submit your budget to the mayor, you got to get it approved by the Office of Racial Equity. To make sure it's following their, you know, the the degree or whatever the the their racial equity plan. Yeah, there you go. Racial. Okay. Member Ekinem, want to give me one moment? Yeah. Give them power. Right. <laughs> okay. Hire director of the Office of Racial Equity and fully fund and implement all recommendations of the tw June 2021 report, report of San Francisco's independent re reviewer for Mayor London Breed by William B. Gould IV. The office, uh, the office must approve budgets based on the department's equity plan. That that would be the the budget the approval. approval. Yeah. Okay, we're good on language. Second. Did you make a motion? <laughs> well, let's make the motion to to approve the recommendation. Moved by Member Ekinem. Seconded by Gwendolyn Brown. Second. Gwendolyn Brown. Thank you. 
I've lost track of, can I all? Okay, same house, same call. Aye. Thank you very much. Okay, moving to 43. So this one is uh, to fund the public defender's office to the same level as the city county prosecutor's office. Within the public defender's office, we are also seeking to fund public defender's programs. Uh, the, pen, the appendix will be uh, included uh, in detail in the final report. But in essence, and I think you heard this earlier, the public defender does an, a huge amount of work um, for our community, uh, and they are just underfunded. And so we'd like to sort of get them at parity. That's the recommendation. Okay. So so, so the specific language in is fund, fund, not also fund. I'm sorry. I'm being Correct. picky now. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Is there a second? Rico, second. So, second. Member Hamilton. Same house, same call. Aye. 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 43, moving to 44. Legal defense fund for all city workers facing discrimination. It's hard to, to find a lawyer, to pay for a lawyer. So I think it'd be really great to actually have a fund set up that people can actually draw on in order to, to get a lawyer. And I'm assuming we're talking yeah. about Black city workers. Yeah. Yes. That's what I... Can we specify that? A so black legal everyone, defense? every time in here, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The It's Black city workers. I just didn't put it in everywhere. But thank you for that. Just, just so for clarification. Yep. Yes, mem hold, hold, I'm sorry, hold on one second. Member oh, Brown. No, I was just saying, what's the amendment? Is it to include Black, a Black legal defense fund? Legal defense fund for all Black city workers based on discrimination. Yeah. So move the recommendation. Move, Member Berry. Second, Member Cunningham. Same house, same call. Aye. Aye. Thank Next you. one, legal defense fund for black people. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, just a legal just, defense fund for black people. Denied housing because they have Section 8 or other city vouchers. I would like to kind of group all of this together. Like, you know, I think we need legal in all areas, in, in job and in business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we should, yeah, we should, everything. everything. That's why we're here. So just a legal defense fund and it can cover. Cover. Okay, so legal defense fund, <clears throat> colon. <laughs> a black legal defense fund. Uh, one, uh, cover city workers facing discrimination. Two, uh, black people denied housing because they have Section 8 or other city vouchers. Three, accused of a crime. Yeah. If we can add business contracts or something in there for business. Yeah, if we can just say legal fund. <laughs> okay, you, so, so uh, I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Um, you are going to have to um, withdraw or undo what you just approved because we're changing right. the whole right yes, so you're gonna have to make a legal motion to withdraw that the so, so we a motion to withdraw the vote we 
it, it, a motion Second. to withdraw the adoption of 43. Is it 43? Yeah, 43. No, 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 44. 44. 44. Sorry, 44. So who made that okay. motion? So move. Member Barry is our second. Okay. Same house, same call. Aye. All right. So we remove what we just passed. And now the new mm -hmm. replacement. Sorry. Getting answered. Member Ekinen, before you do that, can we can we also consider a legal fund period? Not necessarily a legal defense fund. Because people need money to sue people too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Defamation. So we let's call it a, a black legal fund. Yes. Do we think we should be specific in that? I mean, I know it's a lot of areas, but like maybe we have some specifics to it. I don't think we can. <laughs> I mean, oh, what what would your proposal be? Sorry, my proposal would be. Um, what what was it? I mean, city workers definitely. I think the criminal was already covered in our last one, so definitely um, small business. And then what did we say? Just the. What did we say? I think it should be a general legal fund because I think even black property owners mm -hmm. that don't have the money to hire attorney because they're house rich and cash poor also need access to, to to this type of legal fund. So let's just make it a black legal fund and we won't be. Okay, so. Support black people in San Francisco. San Francisco, San Francisco black. Could we say something like the following? Black legal fund that might include and is not limited to supporting the following um, support for black city workers facing discrimination, black people being denied housing, black people needing criminal defense, black city workers facing discrimination, and all other issues that we might face. But he said including but not limited to that's okay. correct yeah yeah so that's 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 okay I, i'm cool with that because that does include i still would like to include business in that language yeah. and to the point of oh. to the point of um facing discrimination um I, my seat is because i faced discrimination in the workplace and i had to sue them and pay out of my pocket so um that's important to note this fund would have been available uh to me so i didn't have to use my own money for that okay. and then somebody who maybe is arrested and they need defense so it would cover all of that all right thank so, you yes married black legal defense fund that includes and is not limited to um helping city workers facing discrimination Black people being denied housing, criminal defense, as well as any business issues. And again, it's not limited to, so we could talk health, we could talk environmental, mm -hmm. we can talk. I make a motion to pass with that amended language. Is there a second? Member Cunningham moved. I second. Second, Member Carter. Same house, same call. Aye. Thank you very much. Oh, um, oh we sorry. We, roll call. 
Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. No. Okay. Yes, no. <laughs> Got it. Nicole Cunningham. Yes. Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Yes. Tiffany Carter. Yes. Gwendolyn Brown. Anita Ekenham. Yes. Leticia Irving. Yes. Okay, it passed with eight, with one um, against. Thank um, you. Mm -hmm. uh, moving to 47. Create a fund to support low-cost mortgages for legal defense lawyers or other lawyers who agree to take on Black clients or increase pool of lawyers to handle that caseload. Here's here's why. So I, I've been talking to a number of sort of um, uh, trial lawyers, legal defense folks, um, people who take on these cases, and they're the least well paid, right? Mm -hmm. Like as as it was described to me, we have people who are helping people with ev with eviction cases, worried about getting evicted themselves, right? And so the idea here would be, can we put something in place to have black lawyers who want to come in and help people? in these roles actually be able to also live here at the same time are these legal services different than the no 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 this the, yeah no so this would support black lawyers who want to do this work in the city because we simply don't have enough of those people who actually want to or who can do that legal defense work. So, so this focuses on the lawyers. This doesn't yes. focus on the. Correct. Right. Okay. Member Irving. 47. This is 47. I have to add the language black. Yep, 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 yep. It's black. We just had the hate because um, what was said in commentary was for black lawyers, but the language didn't say black. No. So create a fund to support low cost mortgages for black legal defense lawyers or other lawyers. I'm oh, sorry. Nope. Create a fund to support low cost mortgages for black legal defense lawyer or no. I'm going to remove defense. One more time. Create a fund to support low-cost mortgage for Black lawyers who agree to take on Black clients to increase the pool of lawyers to handle the caseload. And we're cutting it. So my question is, um, does it, <clears throat> I know the fund is, is to gear toward Black lawyers, but what if people, um, does it matter? Does it matter? If, if we're saying that people, regardless of their um ethnicity are not being paid well to take on black clients so i think that i think black or another but um yeah i just i don't know that we want to just is the fund specifically toward black people in your experience of what you you were um doing this research did you find that it didn't matter the groups that people just didn't want to take on black clients or they weren't getting paid enough? Was it them in general not getting paid enough? You know, so people who were doing legal defense work, um, this is this is just the least paid. Okay. Right? Like um, so regardless, um, they they just aren't getting paid. They they're just not enough folks. So regardless of ethnicity, 
people who want to do do this work, they can't stay doing it. Okay, so I would I would say that I think it's a great we can add black lawyers, but I also think and other or and other lawyers because the goal is to get people to support black people in this defense is my recommendation. That's a point of view, Member Carter. Well, I didn't know that I necessarily had one um, other than. I mean, I like the idea of supporting anything Black, but I do know in legal relationships are important. And so I do, what, to increase the? No, I think this is this is good wording. Day. What, 46 or 47? Increase the pool of lawyers to handle the case. I mean, I don't know. But it doesn't specify Black lawyers, but it would include Black lawyers to recruit them to San Francisco to take on cases for the Black community, but it would be anybody who wants to take on cases for the Black community, correct? Mm -hmm. yep. With this language. Can you read it again? Yeah. Um, let me risk. Thank you. <laughs> Create a fund to support low-cost mortgages for legal defense lawyers and legal aid lawyers who agree to take on Black clients to increase the pool of lawyers to handle the caseload. Okay. Member Barry. So I would be curious to know, I mean, it doesn't specify Black lawyers like um, Member Brown or Carter said, I, I, sorry. Um, however, I do wonder if there would be, if this incentive was available, if there would be a um, in migration of Black lawyers that would hop on this opportunity and given preference and then on the flip side, I know there's some amazing lawyers of eth other ethnicities that are really down with the cause. So I'm torn on whether to prioritize it be Black lawyer specific or just lawyers, period, that would get the job done. On lawyers? So create a fund to support low-cost mortgages for legal defense lawyers or legal aid lawyers who agree to take on Black clients to increase the pool of lawyers to handle the caseload. To increase the pool. Could we say with a special emphasis on those groups though because those are the ones that are yeah 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 okay Create a fund to support low-cost mortgages for lawyers, including and not limited to legal defense lawyers, legal aid lawyers, who agree to take on Black clients to increase the pool of lawyers to handle the caseload. Okay. okay. Motion? I second. Move member Carter. Second member Cunningham. I will call roll. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. Nicole Cunningham. Aye. Gloria Berry. Am I allowed to pass? What I'm you saying. Lost, you lost your abstain. Okay. The question was, am I allowed to pass and come back to me? Oh, yeah. I'll do the vote and then come back. Yeah. 
Um, where was I? Oh, Daniel Landry. Tiffany Carter. Yes. Gwendolyn Brown. Yes. Anita Ekinem. Yes. Letitia Irving. No. And Member Barry. Yes. Okay, the motion passed. Thank you. 48. 48. I'm going to withdraw because I think we just did that one. Thank you. It was a duplicate. 49. 49. Now, this is this is about the slavery ordinance. I think it was already discussed that this was already done in policy. Right. Am, am I right? And I, I just want, want to double check. In policy, when we were talking about the, the slavery ordinance, did you specify that people that they must pay into it? That that we're asking the city to change the law that they must pay into it at this point? Has it changed? Can, can we also add, or can we consider for accountability um, that that without without um, that in some type of uh, enforcement part is about you can't get a business license or something. Beautiful. Within the county, city and county, I guess, where we have jurisdiction. To maintain a business license. Mm -hmm. okay. okay so because this is already part of policy i'm actually going to remove this for now okay so I, I i think it, it sits well in, in policy thank you for that thank you um this next one 50 50 unit should be held accountable for racist job allocation practices in the past and to today unit should also be made to uh, make reparations payments or pay into the reparations fund and the reason why we've sat down and we've talked to folks who live in, in San Francisco who, for generations, and they were sharing how their fathers had to actually travel out of state while the big boom was go going on downtown. White men were sent down there to work. Black men were not allowed, right? His father, these folks' fathers had to actually go out of state and had an effect on the Black family, et cetera. And so, this is a this is prevalent. This is something that 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 we need to sort of take a look at. And so uh, I think it's important that we we make the statement around even our unions in the past were really against us and our ability to actually sort of feed our own families. Thank you, Member Cunningham. My um, only question is how how do we go about holding them accountable to that? Because it sounds great, but how do we, how do we, what do you propose? Good. While you're thinking about that, I would just deposit that um, my question is, is um, jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the city can require the unions. Um, so I just don't know where the leverage would come from. Mm -hmm. I, I like the idea, yeah. but I don't know where the leverage would come from. Potentially, I'm torn too, because I, it's a harm that has happened, right? And so to your point, 
where do you know where is that leverage point? Is it something to the extent that we ask the city to sort of take a look at this and what they can do? Is it that I'm at a loss of, like around this specific language, like around how to actually do it, but but I do want to capture this as like a potential recommendation. So I'm 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 not clear. I'm I'm not sure like about that. Um sorry. I'm not clear about the exact how to make this happen. And maybe it's really directing the city to look at this practice and make recommendations as to how the city can work with units to rectify it. That's it. Okay. Any change to the language? Mm -hmm. I was going to say uh, for the unions, uh, there's a way that um, union members can de-unionize. Now, I don't, I don't think the uh, city necessarily uh, I mean I don't think the state controls that part of it because I, I de-unionized before um, in a union if, if if it's a way that we can empower the union mm -hmm. members through a recommendation I don't know that's, that's just my thought mm -hmm. to add to thank you so And thank you for working with me on this. Uh, unions should be held accountable for racist job allocation practices in the past and to today. Unions should be should also make reparations payment. We direct the city to look at to look at this practice and how the city can work with unions to rectify it. Okay. I make a motion to accept the amended language. Moved by Member Cunningham. Is there a second? Second. We have a second. Second. Yes. I, I said, yeah. And we have a second. Sorry. Um, I can't remember what we did last time. So I don't know if there was a roll call. Roll call. Yeah. Okay. Um, member, uh, or sorry, Chair Eric McDonald. Yes. Rico Hamilton. Nicole Cunningham. Yes. Gloria Berry. Hi. Daniel Landry. Yes. Tiffany Carter. Gwendolyn Brown. Yes. Anita Ekenem. Yes. Letitia Irving. Okay, that passed unanimously. Thank you. 51. Fully fund the Office of Operations. <laughs> Member Barry, sorry. Member Brown moves. Member Carter second. Do you want to add a dollar amount to that? Um, you want to add the fifty million to that? Yes, I am going to withdraw. Okay, okay. Go. I would like to withdraw my motion and make another motion. Is that possible? Yes. Yeah. Step okay. out and step back in. Yes. Yes, I would like to fully fund the Office of Reparations for fifty million. There you go. Motion is there a second? Second that. Member Carter, second. Where am I now? You're in the same house, same call now. Same house, same call. Aye. 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 Thank you. 
I'm just going to okay. Uh, 52, I'm actually going to remove that because I think that's more of an education piece. Uh, yeah, this is important. <laughs> um, we did, but we, we did have a lot of um, 53, a lot of great discussion around this. There's been a lot of sort of hurt and pain that has sort of gone on during this process. And we, even in our subcommittee, really wanted to sort of put forward this idea that we as Black people, I mean, forget about everybody else, but we as Black people actually acknowledge and even atone to ourselves. So potentially setting setting aside some money, right, um, to, cre to create a project of some kind to, to help us do this. Not quite sure what that looks like, but I think this piece around us just being able to look at each other and just acknowledging the hurt that's sort of gone on within family right um and just to be able to say we're sorry and we need to move on together that's really important so that, that that's all i wanted to sort of say there that's 53 that is 53 yes and so you reference funding but i don't see any language oh, that speaks I, I, I need to change the language uh, while you're doing that, Member Irving. Um, so as far as the language of slaves, if we can put of enslaved Africans um, or enslavement, but not slaves. And then um, I don't know that I want some non-Black folks telling me through policy to apologize to, to, although I believe that we have harmed one another, I'm not sure that I need someone else telling me that and making that a policy. I feel like that that's family business and they can mm -hmm. say my family business. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was taking a look at it, not, I hear you, but this is really, I mean, for me, it is about that, like our family being able to, for us to do this. So maybe it's really just to allocate funds so that we can do this as a project and we can go back and decide what that looks like. Um, but yeah, no, I don't want anyone else telling us that's not what this is about. This is about having a space and funding for us to sort of figure out as community how, how we want to make that happen. I also feel like mm -hmm. that happens it, or it will happen as we think about land and space and community space and being in community. I just, I don't know that that's something that I think we mm -hmm. should not waste. So I don't, I mean, this was so much respect, waste a recommendation on. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Member Irving, Member Cunningham. I need to focus what I have to say. Okay. Member Carter, or is it Brown? Carter. Yeah, I'll second that. Um, I don't think we need to waste a recommendation on that. I also don't think that that's something that needs to be funded. I think that's something that we need to do. <laughs> that's Everything doesn't have to be funded. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so your option is to move and see where it goes or withdraw? I will withdraw. Okay, withdraw. thank you very much. That's 53. No worries. Um, okay, so from this point forward, really, and I, I wanted to have a quick discussion about this because this might not be for the recommendation. What we did in committee and said, hey, we understand that there's a lot going on here in like in this report. We wanted to have, we, we wanted to give you a jumping off point, right? For places that you could start and get stuff like happening now, right? And so, okay, you don't want to do this huge thing or whatever, you know, around 
all reparations payments. So maybe we do a smaller pilot to get that started, but we do that in the next some odd days. And so that's where these other ones are. And I'm wondering if that's really a recommendation or potentially we could put into the report, like, you know, just potential pilots or something. Like, I, I, I don't, I really want to sort of have a discussion like around that, because if we don't have to put it in the, put it in as recommendations, then we don't have to spend time on it right now. Thoughts, members, member Carter. Oh, member Brown. Sorry. I think that we can possibly um, put this under the office of reparations, possibly like as something they would do. Okay. Um, that this is something they would implement through the office of reparations. So we don't necessarily need to put include that in the recommendations, but that we would include it in their mission. Yeah. I like that. I like that too. I like that. So, so potentially even as part of our report, here are some things that the office of Rep Rep reparations might be able to take on just as examples then. Okay. Other, any other thoughts, any objections to that? Okay. Any motion? I don't have to make a motion for that. So in order to have um, question to um, Director Chiquata, do we need a motion to capture those in the report, even though they're not recommendations? Yes. Um, member Ekinem can make a motion to include items 54 through 64 in the context of the final report. Yes, first round. Yeah. That's right. Member Cunningham. Okay, so I'd like to make a motion to include 54 to 65 um, as possible programs on the Office of Reparations and have those included in the report. Moving second it. Oh, where am I? Same house, same call. Thank you. Same house, same call. Aye. Aye. Excellent. Thank you. I want to thank all of you. And that, that concludes economic empowerment. <laughs> okay. A lot of, lot of heavy lifting. Um, so I need a short break. Uh, so um, can we do 10 minutes if that possible? Okay. Do we need a, a motion to, to? A motion to take a, re a 10 minute recess. Okay. Motion to take a 10 minute recess. Yes. Second. Um, same house, same call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for the patience um, so that we could uh, reconvene a quorum. Um, again, apologies for the long delay, both to folks here in chambers with us. Thank you for your patience. Folks online who have stayed with us, thank you very much. So we will resume. We're going to, let me just kind of name the path that we're going to take. We'll try to do it as efficiently as we possibly can. Um, we're going to go to education now, and then we're going to take up the recommendations that are outstanding that are not in any of the um, subcommittee areas. 
Um, and, and so there are, are, are a few of those. And then we'll go from there to um, the additional sections of the report um, that we want to determine whether we will include. Um, and then finally, we will look at eligibility for this item. So that's where we're going. Again, we'll try to move as efficiently as we possibly can. And again, appreciate your patience with that, uh, Member Barry. Thank you, Chair. Thank you to members in the public that are hanging in with us. Um, thank you, Chair, and thank you, members of the public that are hanging in there with us. Thank you to the Education Subcommittee members, Member Irving, Carter, Williams, Hamilton, and Cunningham for all your hard work we've been doing these last two years. Um, members, I would like to offer that I, as subcommittee lead, meet with the wonderful staff of the Human Rights Commission on this additional recommendation where we decided to be specific on what a Black school would look like and not leave it up to someone who was not here through all these discussions that we did. We had a lot of youth at our last meeting and whatnot, and we have really... Um, great ideas that are all on section three of your binder, page one, two, and three. And I'm not going to read all of those pages. I wanna work with HRC staff on separating the harm from the identifying what the black school should look like that's listed here. If any members of this body um, wanna call to attention anything you see before you, and have questions or comments that would be fine or amendments. Other than that, I did wanna highlight a few of the recommendations for the black school. I wanna highlight that this black school should tell the truth when it comes to history, um, specifically that everyone needs to know that mankind was birthed by a black woman, different types of history and science like that that should be taught to our black youth. Also, I wanted to include on page, well, highlight on page two that our models we will focus on will be extracts from the model of the Freedom School, the I Rise program, and the LeBron James I Promise schools. And when this black school is established, that those models are what we pull from. And then I'd like to add that we include drum circles. I and um, some other friends, we founded a black school in Oakland. It was about a two year run and we did that every morning and the energy it put into those youth was just amazing because I think in our melanin, no matter how light or dark, drums really impact us significantly. And I also add, like to add that strutting a unique San Francisco dance be included in the curriculum because that was invented right here in San Francisco. Other than that, if there's any questions or comments for any of the specifications or additions for page one, two, or three, I'm sure the director of the Office of Reparations will have more questions later and we can add, and this won't be an end all. Member Irving. I do apologize for missing the education subcommittee um, so that I'm coming last minute saying this. 
Um, I just, the only thing I noticed on here that I want to make sure that I push back a little bit on is Black authors only. I think our children need mirror books and window books. They need to be able to see themselves, but they also need to know a world beyond themselves. And so just making sure that our authors are not only Black, but that they have a diverse group of um, literary offers, offerings. I accept that amendment. Member Carter. Um, I believe Kathy inserted my motion or amendment um, for the HBCU. Why don't you, um, do you want to include that now, Chair, or when we include the things that haven't gone through subcommittee? That's a second recommendation. That That's is? a separate, okay. yes. Got it. This is the Black School K-12 okay. through 12 specifics. Okay. okay, so we'll add that next, okay. Member Carter. So that should fall in the category of, of a standalone recommendation, because I don't. It actually doesn't belong in this section. You put it in, Kathy, because that's about sections of the report, not recommendations. Please continue. I move to include these specifications with the amendment that it not just be black authors in the black school created for K through twelve, and that the Human Rights Commission. Um, separate the harm listed on these two, three pages, one, two, and three, from the recommendations for the school. So just to be clear, that the recommendations is embodied at the top, correct? The recommendation. So I'm trying to appreciate the distinction between the harms that you just referenced and the recommendation specifically about the school. Right, Chair, in this recommendations of the Black school, harm is listed within, it's it's intertwined. I see. And I would like to meet with the HRC members and separate the two and list the harm in the harm section of the report and the recommendations for the Black school under the Black school section of the report. Thank you. Okay, we have language. Any questions? And then just checking with staff. You, we you, will need to do a roll call vote. Oh, that's fine. Because we just came back. From yeah, yeah, no, that's, that, that's fine. I just want to check and make sure you have language. Yes. Okay, very good. Uh, roll call, please. I'm sorry, I need a motion. A motion and a second. Seconded by member Carter. Thank you. Roll call, please. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton, Nicole, um, Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter, Gwendolyn Brown, Anita Akinem. Yes. Leticia Irving. Eight, it's passed unanimously and because we did lose one member during the break. So um, thank you. That motion is carried. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. So I'd like to go to the, the recommendations. I'll call them the walk-ons. So let's let's start here mm -hmm. with uh, member Carter. I know member Barry has one as well. And then I want to conclude this part with the um, Human, Re Human Rights Commission recommendations. Member Carter. 
I would like to make a recommendation for it for a HBCU satellite office in downtown San Francisco. Right now we have the vacant um, offices. I think it's a lot of um, infrastructure to support a satellite HBCU campus in downtown San Francisco. Thank you. Member Barry? Yes, um, through the chair, Member Carter, HBCU is already listed in the draft report. I was wondering your idea of using office spaces downtown, if that should be a specific or a separate recommendation. Um, I think it could be specific because, like I said, the infrastructure is already there. You have a look. Oh, no, I think that it could be a specific recommendation given um, some of the recent meetings of different city departments. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. So standalone recommendation. Any other questions? Thank you, Member Bear. Well, just a point of <clears throat> just Brittany Chiquata, economic rights, just a point of clarification. So are we duplicating number 17 from from last meeting around a store around establishing an HBCU or are we amending it to add the specific specific focus on downtown San Francisco? Yes, I think that would be an amendment to actually include the language of downtown San Francisco. Okay, so the language is to amend previously approved number 17 to add the language down to in downtown San Francisco. We could even maybe say downtown San Francisco financial district. Okay. Again, with the intention and spirit of leveraging the current availability of real estate. Yep. Okay. Any questions? All right. So we have a motion. I need a second. Second. We have a second. Member Barry, thank you. Where am I? Uh, we have to do a roll call because we just um, returned from. Lisa? We just do. Oh, that's right. You're right. Same house, same call. Same house, same call. Aye. Aye. Thank you very much. Um, okay. Member Barry. Yes. I would like to also recommend um, a member of the public mentioned it tonight and a youth actually mentioned it at our SOCA meeting meeting that a youth hotline be available to report discrimination in their schools. Create a hotline on language one more time, please. I move that we add the recommendation to create a black youth hotline to report discrimination in schools in San Francisco. Thank you. Any questions? All right, you need a, a second. Any other discussion? Sorry, seconded by Member Carter. Any other discussion? And I lost just that fast. Where are we? We can do same house, same call. Good. Member Brown. Can you can you just expand it to a discrimination hotline or not specific to schools? I mean, the recommendation is focused on schools. So if you want to do something gotcha. else, yeah. Okay. 
So let's we'll hold that where it is and with no change. Okay, same house, same rows. Bye. Thank you very much. I confess I had the description of the I uh, had one more. You have one more, please. Yes. Um, and I apologize if this was in the draft report because I'm confused at this point. Um, I would like to also include that there be advocates for veteran education benefits. We do have one Black woman in San Francisco that does a good job, but a lot of our Black veterans are unable to navigate the system here in San Francisco. So advocates for Black veterans education benefits and advocates for Black homeless folks that would like to receive education. Are those veterans? No, a separate so those veterans separate. and or homeless because I, I do serve in the seat of formerly homeless and believe it or not, homeless do seek education and jobs and do all kinds of things, living out their cars and whatnot. And if we had an advocate to help navigate the systems better, emails, whatnot, that's needed. I've myself taken people up to the college and helped them. So, mm -hmm. um, so the motion would be to recommend that there be advocates for veterans and or homeless that are seeking education assistance. Okay. Member Irving. Does that not already exist? So if I think about like for our unhoused folks, they have within the, the department case managers that may be able to support them if that's an ask. Not at all. It doesn't exist. And for the veterans, there are no supports that are already embedded. There's one black woman in the city that's good that was hired recently. But in the past, and we don't know her future, if she's not here, I don't know where veteran Black veterans would go to. And prior to her, we know that there were no supports and services and case managers that could for, that helped that? On paper, but culturally competent, no. So then, I mean, the language would then shift a little bit as well. If you're looking for, I mean, also, how do you measure cultural competency um, in areas like that, but just it would shift a little bit because if you're talking about uh, culturally competent care, we'd need to be able to say that and then have a metric for it. So I will withdraw my motion and restate the motion to read as advocates, recommend advocates for Black veterans and or homeless for education benefit benefits, excuse me, education assistance and that these advocates be culturally competent. Advocating for culturally competent advocates. So simplify the sentence. Sure. Culturally, uh, I withdraw the motion again and resubmit that we recommend culturally competent advocates to assist Black veteran and homeless people that need assistance to navigate the education system. Okay. 
Okay. Any questions? Is there a second? Second. Who seconded? Uh, Member Thank Carter. You. And where am I? Procedurally? Um, same house, same call. Okay. Same house, same call. Come on, we're almost there. Bye. Need the energy. <laughs> we're, we're pressing our way. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, then the recommendations that came via the San Francisco Human Rights Commission, um, the first one we've already addressed, which was spoke to um, Parity and Public Defender's Office. Thank you, Economic Empowerment. The second one um, is a recommendation to create funding to establish a Black LGBTQI plus center in the Castro um, linked to the recommendations submitted to the mayor's office in 2022 and 2023. By the um, LGBTQI plus advisory committee it was one of their recommendations. So they brought it to us. That was housing. Yeah, that was housing. Yeah, this. No, there is not one for not black. black folks. No. Okay. Any other questions? Yes, Member Barry. Yes, Chair. I was just, because I wasn't at that meeting, just curious if the LGBTQ community wants the location in the Castro or do they mind where the location is? My understanding, this was a recommendation that came from the LGBTQI plus committee. They, want, they wanted a center specifically in the Castro. Got it. Member Economic came and went. Okay. So moved that we approve the recommendation. There's a second. Same house, same call. Same house, same call. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And then... Um, there's a, I'm not sure how to represent this one, honestly, description of the process within the final report. Director Chiquada, can you help me with this one? Uh, point of clarification, Chair, I'm not sure what item you're, what document you're looking at. So this is, uh. Oh, that way I defer to my colleague, Secretary Meyer, because that's from the commissioners. Okay. We, we. We've already taken those two recommendations. No, there's a, I guess the third, the bottom here that that reads description of the process within the final report. The genesis of the San Francisco reparations oh. is not from the work and voices of a few people. That, it's that's their recommendation. And obviously this committee would have authority over what is said in the report that that's their recommendation, but this committee has ultimate authority over the report. Got it. Okay, so members, I need to, you to in, indulge me because I have to read it to you so that you can consider whether you want this contextually to be a part of the narrative portion, description portion of the, the final report. So this isn't a specific recommendation around action. This is the context setting um, in the report. So it reads... 
The genesis of San Francisco reparations is not from the work and voices of a few people. It has been grounded in community activism. In response to the COVID pandemic, um, the Mega Black San Francisco group was formed in March 2020, listening sessions to identify priorities of San Francisco's Black community involving hundreds of participants were convened. During these meetings, many participants identify the need for reparations, addressing the institutional harm caused by the 70s urban renewal and housing and planning policies. Harm caused by the lack of investment, inclusion, and representation within public schools, within, excuse me, public school systems. The over-policing of Black people in San Francisco, disparities within the healthcare system, and impact of medical provider biases and their impact on life expectancy of Black San Franciscans are a few examples of the local government policies and decisions that continue to profoundly impact the health and welfare of our community. Where is this document? Yes. Looking. Um, yes, please. My only point is a lot of that's already in the report. So I, I don't see why why we need to sort of re-include it. That's correct. So if that is the will of the body, that is the will of the body. That's fine. Um, do we have to vote? No. Okay. You're not. We just won't take it up. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Thank you for that. Yes, Member Claire. Um, unless you have any more recommendations, I plea with this body because I've struggled with this for two years on something to hold these police accountable and some way through reparations, we can either through policy or budget um, hold this department accountable that has harmed us to a grave degree. I can see a minimum of $5 million per incident when they kill someone, um, but the legalities and all of that, I don't know how to navigate and how we could implement that. But I just feel like, you know, me and Daniel, uh, member Landry talk about it all the time, you know, what to do to hold the police accountable, the recommendations that they haven't implemented. I like the idea we were, we in the last said a youth member be on that body and a, a person who was previously incarcerated or whatnot. But is there anything anybody could come up with before we close on recommendations where we the DPA, you know, they do what they do. The police commission do what they do, but they don't hold these police officers accountable. You know, 40 days suspension for killing Jessica Williams. Come on now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Member Landry. Your point, um, Member Barry, I, I think uh, a lot of discussion, even in all of those reports, war on drugs, PERF report, uh, there was a lot of conversation around people being able to sue 
police officers as individuals. Now I know it, you know, it, you got to hit them where the money at. And if you, you know, just like a security guard, you know, unfortunately, like we just witnessed with uh, Banco Brown, when you are held liable personally, hopefully that may change your judgment. And I don't agree that police officers are not trained well because I've went to the Rookies Academy and really that time and distance is real. If you just follow, if they would just follow how they've been trained, people wouldn't get killed. So I, I think if if there's any way to supervisors, you know, from an executive level that law enforcement officers could be held accountable personally, I think we would see better judgment um, because that individual officer would have to face the music uh, financially and it could ruin their own, you know, um, financial career. The Bill of Rights prevents that. Right. And I mean, that's that's the only I mean, that's not the only but I mean, that's the the, the most obvious to me is is hitting them in the pocketbook as an individual. So this is our moment to come up with it or not. I think that we have to figure out how do we work collaboratively with the state because it's the police bill of rights that actually gets them immunity. It's their laws that actually dictate their behavior. And if we're not going after that, whatever's on our local levels, it really doesn't even matter. So our local government can say this and that, but what does the actual state uh, police bill of rights say? Right. Most time they have immunity. So, you know, I think that we have to somehow figure out how do this body or how do the Office of Reparations work collaboratively with our state senators or I think it's our senators who can look at those Bill of Rights and start making some amendments and changing it. Because at this point, nothing has been changed on that level. Thank you. So appreciate the wisdom of the the whole. Any any recommendations, any language rather, that would support a recommendation around account, uh, police accountability. There are department DOJ recommendations that have not been followed. Over two hundred of them. I'm just throwing that out there. And so, kind of, therefore, might a motion or recommendation rather be a recommendation uh, or a motion to follow the DOJ recommendations for SFPD to follow and implement the DOJ recommendations? Okay. Please. were not enforced or they were broken. I, I, I didn't quite, oh, they've never. Well, can we impose a fine if they're not in? Yeah, so, I mean. Another question, the DOJ recommendations, are they specifically to the police department or is it some other body within the city county of San Francisco? 
Point of clarity um, to Director Jaquata. Um, was there any language around enforcement of the recommendation? Your question, Member Brown, is was there any language about the enforcement of um, these, these DOJ recommendations? Yes. Check for you. Did you say you're checking? Yes, sir. Okay. I don't see anything in the approved recommendations. I'm just trying to figure out the language around how we attach the DOJ recommendations to the SFPD's budget. It's a fine. <laughs> that goes towards rest of the Oh. Could we? Ahead, member, so if that's the case, then could we say something to, to the effect that we we would like the Board of Supervisors to deduct from the police budget some amount of money per each one of the DOJ requests that are not implemented or enforced. So you can have a $60 million budget. There are 200 of these things. Maybe it's a million dollars per infraction. Or per lack of implementation. Yes, that goes towards the black fund beginning this time. So I guess um, we'll give you 60 days yep. to start. I'm doing like the IRS. Yep. All right, so I'm gonna ask you to um, restate the language. I can read what I've written. If Please, thank, thank you. you. Motion for SFPD to follow and implement the Department of Justice recommendations and for the Board of Supervisors to deduct some amount of money from the police budget for each recommendation that is not implemented and redirect those funds into the reparations fund. Let's get specific. Let's make it $1 million per. Excuse me? $1 million per infraction. Payable within 30 days. And that's done by the Board of Supervisors because I don't want um, any funny business going on. Motion for SFPD to follow and implement the DOJ recommendations and for the Board of Supervisors to deduct $1 million per infraction payable within 30 days from the police budget for each recommendation that is not implemented and to redirect those funds to the reparations fund. Thank you. Any additional questions? Do so you have a motion? You need a second? I motion. I'll second that. Motion and second. Where are we procedurally? Same house, same call. Same house, same call. Aye. 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 Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Member Barry. Okay. I would like to also recommend that the Department of Reparations seek other ways to hold the SFPD accountable once that office is formed. So the Office of Reparations? Yes. Okay. Other 
I'm keep that as a um something that's um continued like this isn't the end all this one recommendation we just voted on but seek all the way other ways to hold the San Francisco Police Department accountable for the harm they brought on the black community and continue to continue to okay Okay. Staff, you have that? Mm. Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Any other questions? All right. We have a motion. Is there a second? So move. <laughs> Who's the second? Uh, who second? Uh, seconds, Carter. Thank you. Procedurally? Same house, same call. Same house, same call. Yes. Excellent. Are you done? Okay. All right. I want to move us forward then. Thank you very much. Um, so um, if I could have our attention, please. I appreciate it. We're, we're pressing, I promise, um, <laughs> as fast as we can. Okay. So there are <clears throat> some recommended additional sections that has come out of many of the discussions, public and otherwise, to include in the report. I'm gonna read to you the additional sections. Again, think about the narrative that frames the issues, et cetera. These are additional sections to be added to the report. Let me read through them. When After I read through them, I'd invite a motion to adopt the sections um, in total if possible. Um, and they are under, Hold on one second, let me confirm. No, they're not. My note says they're under tab four, but they're not. Oh. One moment, please. That's eligibility, that's good, but not what I'm looking for. Can you give me the, I got a list. Say it again. Do you need the list? I have the list, but I also just wanted to point others to it. Um, okay, so give your ear, please. Um, add section on queer black SF, add section on reparations that were distributed to uh, CCSF employees of Japanese ancestry, add section on drug overdose disparities, add section on black maternal health disparities, add section on criminalization disparities for sex workers, <clears throat> excuse me, add section on the need for black spaces, um, add section on mental health disparities, Add section on criminal justice system, specifically um, gang injunctions. Uh, enhanced section that is present, I'm sorry, enhanced section on homelessness disparities. Uh, and then finally, enhanced section on the child welfare system. So again, I would entertain a motion to adopt these sections um, to be added as the narrative part of the report is completed. Member Ekonim. Did we talk, and I'm sorry if, if I missed this, health and environmental justice, were, were those sections that were there? Uh, health, men, mental health disparities, maternal health disparities are the two health-related uh, additions. Huh. Member Carter. Yeah, I would like to dismiss these. I think they're already covered. Or they're not covered. No, no. 
Motion to approve. I'm sorry. Motion, motion to approve or adopt these sections. Is there a second? So move. I have a second. <laughs> yeah, no, I was oh, just. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, did we uh, discuss these sections at the previous meeting, June 5th? No. So, so what are we voting on if we don't? So, so I mean, I know that I hear. I, oh, go ahead. So, so these are think about the narrative of sections of the of the report. So, not the recommendations, but the mm -hmm. narrative section. As we have gone through oh, the overall process, right? These are um, areas that have been identified but haven't been expounded on in the in the narrative. And so, this is a recommendation to expand or expound on these sections in the narrative. By who? I mean, <laughs> point of clarification for Member Landry, these were available and included in the packet on June 5th at the special meeting, right. but we didn't get to it because there was oh, okay. okay. It's a carryover from the special meeting. Thank you for that clarification. Okay. okay. We have a motion in a second. Any other discussion? Where are we procedurally? Same house, same call. Same house, same call. Aye. Aye. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. Um, so last section, last action rather in this section is the eligibility. So under tab number five, um, you have we have the <clears throat> eligibility that have been added over the past months. Um, and that's the first page of that of that section where we um spoke to lineage required um, 1A, 1B, and then two. Again, I'm just calling it to your attention. And then the harms that are listed below. Let's start there. Um, and then we'll go to the um, eligibility pools document, which follows. So I'd entertain a motion again on the eligibility Uh oh. Oh, you have to turn your mic on. There you go. Motion to adopt, adopt eligibility for reparations. Is it here? Sir, second. Uh, Member Landry. Well, I got a question or a few comments to me. Or is this, because uh, I didn't get the um, folder, but I know there were some dates that we were supposed to change, right? So right now we're, is that we're, we're on. I'm not sure which dates you are referring to um, specifically, but right now we're on that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, got it. No, no, no question. Okay. Everybody clear what we are focused on at this moment? Okay. Uh, Member Barry? Yes, when we discussed this eligibility requirements at the subcommittee lead meeting about these pools. We're not on pools yet, we're just, oh. you know, we're, we're on, uh-oh, we don't have the first page. We're on this. 
Okay, I'll save my comment. Polls, polls, polls are next. Yes, member Ekonim. So I'm, I'm a little confused because I thought that under required, we had our language. We said that we would adopt the state's language. And I'm not seeing that reflected. Am I off? I thought that, that we said that we would we we would adopt the state's language. But didn't we have our own? It wasn't it was ours, the states. So both are currently included if you're looking at the document with the header eligibility for reparations. Mm -hmm. Item 1A under lineage. The first two options are reflecting the state language. And the third one, which reads, has identified as Black African-American on public documents for at least 10 years, was okay. the local. Or, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. It was no just problem. formatted differently. Thank you. Okay. Everyone clear? All right. Thank you. Motion. Uh, is there a second? Second by Member Carter. Same house, same call. Same house, same call. Aye. I need everyone. Thank you. <laughs> We're almost there, friends. I promise. We're almost there. Um, okay. Now we're going to the second portion of it, which is the the, the idea of the pools. And again, the, the intent here, um, or the yeah, intent and attempt is to organize um, the requirements um, so that it is clear who's receiving what. Um, and so hence the pools, as you will recall, are referenced at our June 5th meeting for you to um, study. So let me pause there. Um, I'll call on member Barry first, and then if there are other questions um, before we consider. Thank you, Chair. I first, um, like I was saying earlier, I'm concerned about when we discussed this at the subcommittee lead meeting, I know we removed the remedies for these individual pools, and will that be something that will be inserted at a later date at the report without a review? That's no. a no? Okay, no. great. And then for eligibility pool number three, I was concerned about the harm being so vague and then referring to eligibility pool number two. What's the difference between the two? The harm. Um... So the intent of the the what we're trying to identify in the third pool are <clears throat> those not impacted by um, a specific event, um, but impacted by how do I say this? Living black in San Francisco and experiencing kind of the basic everyday harms um, 
breathing the air. And so that's what it's meant to represent. That's why it is, to use your term, vague, um, because it's meant to it's meant to in, it, um, encapsulate, if you will, um, all those that can't necessarily be traced to a specific um, event. Okay. Um, I like that if someone does not is not eligible in one or two, but they're black in San Francisco and maybe came recently or whatever. Well, it says documents for at least, well, identifies black in the document. So if they've done that, but haven't met the length of time they lived here, so they do not qualify for one or two, I like that there's something where they will still receive some sort of reparations. However, the harm that is listed for that pool it still says compounded by the actions identified in pools one and two. So, for example, in two, are you saying like if the school system, an individual with a record of attendance in the school system, that person in pool three doesn't have that, but maybe for some reason they're impacted because their neighbors were uh, harmed and they have to experience that being stuck in a black community because they won't let us live anywhere else in the city. Or, you know, how does a person qualify for pool three? Like, what do they have to submit to or demonstrate? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. Why would you? This is separate. Let me continue to think about that. It, other questions? Through the chair to member Carter, I think these pools still have a catch-all for a lot of Black people that might not qualify. They might not qualify for some of the recommendations because they're not in pool one or two. But if there's like a black card or different benefits that we can have as a remedy for those who have not lived here as long, but we all know once you step foot in San Francisco, racism is alive here in the city. Anti-blackness is real. People have to campaign about uh, being against us. They're scared to even be for reparations or office because they don't want their voter base to think they're for us. So being black is a harm in San Francisco, but we are kind of like giving folks another way to receive some of the recommendations without all of them, but at least not having none at all. Yeah, I don't know. Am I, am I able to retain the vote? How does that work? That vote was for the previous page. Yeah, the previous for the eligibility. I don't know how that works, quite honestly. How does that work procedurally? I think you're going to need to make a motion to um, go back and review eligibility pool one and um, take another vote on that. Okay. I would like to make a motion to 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have to, yeah, we're on eligibility pool two right now. So if we can close that and then do this. Okay. Um, so essentially the case would need to be made on a case-by-case -case basis by the individual. So it'll have to tell their story. And I don't know that we can delineate all that that could be because we just don't know people's lived experiences. I have a point of clarification. Yes, please. Um, so the, the second or the, you know, most recent part of what member Barry was saying is exactly right. As far as what the intention was, mm -hmm. um, and, and the guidance from you chair McDonald as well, yep. as well as from vice chair Hollins on this third pool, which is to say that by virtue of navigating San Francisco as a black person, you experience anti-black racism. And so this, as far as eligibility pool three as far as being a tool for organizing the recommendations was intended to capture those things where you know someone would still have to meet the lineage requirement okay. that you all just voted on so the lineage requirement at the top of the eligibility criteria but you know as as member barry was saying for the newer members of san francisco you're not going to say you can't attend, you know, an Afrocentric school because you only moved here a year ago, or you are not entitled to biomonitoring um, because you just moved here two years ago. So it was really um, a way to organize and include newer um, people who have moved to San Francisco, newer Black community members, um, and and really describe what reparations recommendations you're saying they are entitled to. Thank you, member Ekenem, and then member Carter. Also, a few, a few uh, I think, weeks ago, as we were voting um, on, on this whole sort of piece, we were going through and sort of saying, look, there are things within education or policy, right, that can apply to everyone. And we're not going to sit here and exclude people from being able to take advantage of those things. It was primarily things around sort of economic empowerment, money, et cetera, that we connect and we still connect to a specific harm that's been done. So in this scheme, it would either be in one or two, right? We're not talking about money given to folks in, in pool three, right? We're not talking about anything like that. In pool three, it's really just about, hey, what policy might be out there that could apply to all Black folks? Um, and that's where that might sit. Policies and programs. This is, what do you get with this? Member Carter. Thank you, Member Ekenem. Member Carter. Yeah, I think I'm like really confused by these pools. And because under pool one, is this just for cash payments? Cash payments, cash reparations for those directly impacted by an event. And under these um, requirements, then that a lot of people wouldn't be eligible. Like no, like only fifty and over probably will be eligible. So, yeah, I don't agree with this at all. Okay, thank you, Member Irving. Um. So I thought part of, I mean, I see the cash at the eligibility part, but I thought part of this was so they can be eligible. We were like playing with ages and 
so that other folks could be eligible for all of these things? Like, well, how am I articulating that? I don't want to say that. Is it only cash? They wouldn't get anything else, any other. No, they're eligible to, for, for other receipt of other benefits of other recommendations. Sorry, I didn't think about how to say that. But in the other categories, folks are not eligible for cash because it doesn't say it at the top, right? That is correct. Mm. I disagree too. Okay. Everything including cash, two does not include cash. That's correct. And three does not include cash. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. Okay. So I didn't make the subcommittee lead meeting so what was the thinking behind the pool one two and three well again i'll just repeat what i said which i can appreciate their different points of view um but the intent was to make it clearer who was eligible for what um because everyone is not eligible for everything right and so the idea was to create the pools that would identify as we've again attempted to do here um who's eligible related to which harms um, so that it was clear. So again, we could be clearer to community and, and in some ways clearer to an office of reparations, what our thinking and intention was. Um, none of this, you know, short of having something, it all is left to the, to the, to the, an office of reparations to interpret and decide what it means. And so this is an attempt to give some, some direction. Member Barry, then Member Ekinem. Yes, thank you, Chair. I recommend that we amend these pools to pool one and pool two. Pool one is entitled to all recommendations and pool two would be those who don't meet the eligibility requirements that we just passed will still have access to the hospitals and schools and black services. And in that scenario, no pool three. Pool three will move to two and then one and two combined. Okay. Thank you. Member Ekonim, we'll come back to that idea in just a moment. Member Ekonim. It took me a while to grasp this, I think. Um, I see the need or I see the use for three, right? Because it makes it, it can make it easier for someone to go, oh, I'm in group one, makes complete sense. This is what I'm going to get. I'm in group two, makes sense. This is what I'm going to get. I think for me, what doesn't work is the fact who one to me looks like, hey, if you were a certificate of preference holder or anything around that, then the benefits there should be specific to the certificate of preference holders, right? And we've, we outlined that in economic empowerment like in other places. I could totally see that. You have a COP, boom, you're group A. You get... All COP things, moving rice, da 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 da. For me, what I would I would keep this. What I would take out is cash, right? So you get everything associated with with the COP, everything associated with Section Eight, anything like that goes here because Group A, that type of housing, I get all benefits associated with that. Group Two, right? This would be. 
none of the COP housing stuff, right? Because you you already got that in A. Group two would be this list. And if you've had a COP, but this is where the money lives, right? So you can qualify for multiple groups, right? So I'm a COP. I get everything in group A, everything for COP folks. Oh, but I also would qualify for B. So I, I'd get the stuff there too. It makes sense, right? Because you're harmed. And ultimately, because we're Black in San Francisco, we would get everything under three. Now, I'm not a COP holder, but I might have gone like to jail or I'm part of the foster care system. All I'd have to be concerned with is group B. And again, all those things, including cash that are under group B. Like that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, that makes it just a little bit simpler, I think, to sort of figure out what's going on. Thank you. And just to be so that I'm clear, at least maybe others, did you say there wouldn't be no cash in this in the displacement category? Correct. Group one. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, member Irving. I'm sorry, hold on one second. Friends. Hey, friends. We need one conversation. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I think so. I don't remember all the benefits of if you were displaced in the COP. So I, I kind of want to hold on that and say, yes, I totally agree that if there are some things that are completely outlined for those who are displaced, that that should be for them. And then I, I almost agree with cash for eligibility pool too. But then I start to worry about um, some of our folks who, some of our, our other elders who are job, you were, uh, job discrimination and that that didn't allow you to have the economic um, gains that you should, you deserved or the, and I know it's all captured in three, but I still feel like in, it's something needs to be in two for those folks who didn't go through the criminal justice system or who didn't work in foster care. Like, there are certain there are people in San Francisco who didn't benefit and they were able to escape all of those um, all of those things. And so I'm wondering, how do we. I get everybody should you know, we shouldn't do it all, but I worry that this list is limited a little bit and that it doesn't include. And I can even see some which, of our which seniors, list are you referring to uh, uh, eligibility pool two okay. is limited. And I could see like some of our seniors not getting anything here because our seniors really when we were talking about it earlier, fit the category of one more than they would probably fit some, not all, two. And so, and then I think about what we voted on earlier about cash payments and 18 years old. And if we were to stick with just one, then so many of our 18 through 25, they get absolutely nothing unless they are, were a descendant of someone displaced. And we know that that is not, um, it's a lot of black folks in San Francisco, but we're looking at folks mm -hmm. now who can't even prove it. So- Thank I just think that, that it, it doesn't uh, match up with what we voted for earlier. Yep. Thank you. Member Ekinem. My addition would be anything, if any harm from group one would also be there in group two. So group one is just the COP and the housing stuff. Group two all the harms, pretty much every harm that we actually have already talked about would be under group two. What about the environmental harm? Where's that? 
Is that not there? No, it just it's captured in three, basically all other harms. Where do we see anything environmental in two? Uh -huh. Or the job discriminations, um, unlawful, you know, um, what do you call it? Yep. No, there's a lot of questions. Okay, thank you. Uh, Member Hamilton. I mean, I would personally say that they all should go up under the same group. When we start separating stuff, it begins to make it seem like we're saying one harm is more harmful than another when we don't know how it impacts each family because it's different for every individual family. And then we're going off documents that, you know, I don't think everyone who should be a certificate of preference holder actually have a certificate of preference. I mean, I've had family members and I know a couple of us who know folks who should have it and they can't find those different records and things like that. And if we're going off of that, it still causes more harm and then we'll be a part of the harm. So in my opinion, I think like, how do we put it all together as one and not pin one harm against another? Because harm is harm. The system has called the whole system of harm. It's, it's a whirlwind within itself. So. Uh, to me, it has to be all under one bucket. And if you were, if you can claim these different harms, maybe three of them out of the 10 or whatever, to me, that makes sense. But saying one versus another, you know, don't, it kind of don't make sense to me. Thank you. Member Landry. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it's kind of getting a little confused. I, I think the, the original way, uh, similar to like what Rico is saying, remember Hamilton, um, we probably just need to go back to one clear uh, standard of eligibility just to nip it in the bud. Because, I, I mean, I, I know if some of us confuse you, can you imagine the public? And we, <laughs> if we confuse about it, it's just to me that we're going down the wrong direction. <laughs> Thank you, Member Landry. Uh, Member Carter, now I'm going to try to wrap on this and we can land where we, wherever we land is where yeah, we land. I, I basically echo that. Like, I think we should go back and dismiss this whole pool thing. I think it's going to cause a lot of more harm that's already there. So, Thank you, Member Carter. Member Barry. I still would like to reiterate that being Black in San Francisco is a harm, and our original eligibility pool is cut off dates that um, would not have people eligible at all, and that we still do some sort of eligibility requirements for those who can still receive services because they are Black and identified as Black for at least 10 years, but have not lived here in the dates that we did the cutoff. And so is there, a, not that it's solely on you, but is there a recommendation therefore? So if we don't do the pools, what would be your recommendation for? We could put under, um, amend our motion that our recommendation that we just passed, amend that if a person, a black person has identified as black for the last 10 years and or descendant of slave, and they do not meet any of the aforementioned eligibility requirements that they will still have access to services that are deemed for black people. Okay, that, that's absolutely one potential path we'd have to revisit or rescind. 
which is actually where you wanted to go earlier. Okay. All right. Uh, so I think we are, um, I was trying to, sorry, decide the language there. Um, not open to the pooling collectively. Do we, do we need to vote on that or just decide not to move forward? Uh-oh, I couldn't hear you. Sorry. Um, you don't have to vote on this. Okay. All right. And just decide not to move forward. Okay. So we'll just decide not to move forward. Um, so then now going back to the eligibility for reparations and do we have to procedurally, how do we? So you went to um, go back to um, re mo motion to reopen eligibility criteria. Okay. So I need a motion to reopen eligibility criteria. So move. Is there a second? Procedurally. Uh, same house, same call. Same house, same call. Aye. Okay. All right. I move to amend the eligibility to pool that if anyone who identifies as black or a descendant of slave and lives in San Francisco, but does not meet the, I don't know if I already said it, the eligibility requirements can still receive services that are specified for black people in the city of San Francisco through reparations. And just to see if staff caught it, can you can you read it back? Okay. Uh oh, I didn't hear. Sorry. Uh, we 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 didn't capture it, so we're trying. Sorry, to... remember Barry, you have to try one more time. Um, I move that we amend the eligibility requirement as follows that if a person identifies as black or a descendant of slave and is a resident in the city and county of San Francisco, that they are able to receive services that are deemed reparations for black people. Yes, services. Sure, I'll accept the friendly amendment to excluding cash payments. Did we catch it that time, staff? Think so. Let me finish writing. I'll see what Brittany has. Was that a yes? Okay. Any question regarding that language? All right. We have a motion. Is there a second? Okay. Uh, same house, same call? Same house, same call. Okay. That brings us to the conclusion of our eligibility requirements and item number two.
Is that correct? Yes. It does. Excellent. Okay. Moving then, please. Next item, please. Item number three is additional findings to include in the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee final report. This is a discussion and possible action item. Discussion regarding the inclusion of the below listed reports in the final San Francisco reparations plan from the following academician and institutions. Dr. Kirby Lynch Review of Reparations Survey Findings, Stanford Law School Law and Policy Lab Report, University of California at Los Angeles, Ralph J. Bunch Center for African American Studies Report, University of San Francisco Urban and Public Affairs Report, the Budget and Legislative Analyst Report prepared for June the June 9 2023 convening of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors Budget and Appropriations Committee meeting. Uh, this will be a presentation by Eric McDonald, Chair, San Francisco African American Reparations Advisory Committee. There will be public comment and committee comment on this item. Thank you very much. So again, members, um, the uh, this item is to determine or decide to include or not these particular reports. The one um, um, footnote I would offer is that as it relates to the um, the USF Urban and Public Affairs report, the intent is not to include the report, um, but to include excerpts from report in the narrative part of the um, of the overall report. The others, it is the intent to include the full report um, as addendum in in included in our report. So, having said that, um, and if you want to see them, they are included behind tabs five through ten. Um, if you want to refer to them as you are doing that, let's go to public comment um, on this item. And again, members of the public um, that are still with us, um, if you'd like to make public comment on this item again, item number three related to the these um, reports that we will potentially, uh, potentially, excuse me, include in our final draft. Uh, we welcome that first here in chambers and then um, those that are online. Please, public comment. Is there anyone in the chamber would like to comment on the inclusion of these reports in our final document? Please approach the dais. Good evening, my name is Sherelle Jackson. Um, I'm in support of reparations. It's a crucial step uh, towards addressing the historical injustices that have been inflicted upon marginalized communities uh, for centuries. It's been an opportunity to really just um, right the wrongs of the past and work towards a more equitable future. Uh, for far too long, African-Americans have been subjected to systemic racism, discrimination, and inequality. Uh, the legacy of slavery, Jim Crow laws, and segregation has a, last, has a lasting impact on our society, and it's time for us to acknowledge the harm that has been done uh, and take action to repair that damage. That being said, um, 
with the specific uh, things that need to change or if we could um, add a few things to be reframed. The school, um, if you could add. Oh, I'm sorry. So this is on item number three on the agenda. And it's all specifically about the reports that we're going to include or not include. It's not the entire. That's correct. So you could do come back in just a few moments and I appreciate all of your patience, but under um, general public comment, we can. So is it just it on the eligibility requirement specifically right now? No, right now. So item number three, there are a set of reports that we had done on mm -hmm. behalf of the committee. This is to decide to include those or not. That's it. Oh, okay. Sorry. No worries. Oh, thank thank you. you. Are there any other members of the public attending in person who would like to comment on the reports that we're going to be including or potentially including in this final report? Um, my name is Emilio Luadi Bajo. I'm an entrepreneur leader and a member of the San Francisco community. I think it's important that these reports be included in um, the final recommendations because reports that are backed by research and data and evidence-based research really helps people to see that there is more than feeling and more than just history behind it. And there's actual data and research to back the points that are being made here today. So I think that all of this data needs to be included in the report for it to be complete. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public attending in person who would like to comment? Okay, um, now we will move to remote public comment. I see Darlene Roberts with Darlene's hand raised. Uh, hello. Hello. Oh, hi. Um, I just, I wanted to know, uh, this is actually Catherine Campbell. Um, uh, but I wanted to know what Rico had said. He made a very good point, and I wanted to know if that's going to be in the report. It's, and if I'm speaking on the, the subject, I'm supposed to be speaking on as far as three, and that is the certificate of um, uh, preference. This this is about specifically about the reports that we were mentioned, we're trying to vote to include those reports in the final report. Um, we are not discussing the certificates of preference or other um, things at this time, just focusing on the reports. Yeah, I'm, what I'm what I meant is the qualifications like yeah, I heard I heard you mention, I heard the committee talking about um, the qualifications, you know, that that process. So is that in the report? Thank you for your comment. Now we will see Janice Murray. Hello. Hello, thank you for um, staying with us. Yes, I do think that the report should be included. I think all the evidence we have against every report and all evidence should be in that report to make our case even stronger. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Now I welcome Sherlisa Holmes-Box. 
Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for all of your hard work. Uh, kudos to you all. And absolutely, the report should be included in the final report. Once again, thank you for your hard work. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public attending remotely who would like to comment on this particular item? Please use the raise hand icon. Okay, Chair, I don't see any other members of the public. Um, oh, one more, LaDonna Williams. Welcome, LaDonna. Yes, good evening, everyone. Um, I've had a difficult time following you guys. Um, the reports, it would have been good if you would have listed a link so that they were easily accessible because I've dug through your your agenda and looking on the site and there is more than one report if you're talking about item number three right there is uh several reports in there um but i don't see them to be able to be informed and, and make a recommendation to say yes or no so um i'm just hoping they can send them out uh on the email list so that we can access them and be able to go through them and read and understand what these what's contained in the reports. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any Lonnie Mason? Welcome. Yes. Uh, good evening. Uh, I was going to say the same thing. I had a hard time following. There was a lot of things said and it was said kind of quickly. And so I couldn't understand some of the things that were mentioned. But if you can outline what is in the reports and send it to us so we can, you know, uh, look it over, then we can make a final decision. Because it was a few, it was a few things that I wasn't in, the, in agreement on. But like I said, it was kind of confusing. Uh, and it seemed like you guys were kind of confused too as well. So if you can present that to us and we can look it over, then I could, um, then we can make our decision. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public attending remotely who would like to comment on this item on the inclusion of the reports? Deirdre Culpepper, welcome. Deirdre, can you unmute? Yeah, you did the required eligibility, but I didn't get a gist of what they were saying, which is fine if you put it in the report. I agree to what you're asking, but I would like to more legible the um, requirement for the um, African-Americans. I just like to read the requirements because you guys went from the pools back to the original eligibility of 10 years or and then the um, criteria for everybody that have the services, but I, I didn't, I got lost somewhere in the shuffle. So is there gonna be a report sent out or wrote that we can look online and find what we did today? This item is specifically about the reports that we mentioned that will be included or um, referenced in the final report. Yes, I agree to that. I agreed to that when I came on, but I said after everything, are we gonna get a list of everything that went in the report? There will be a final report that's submitted to the public. Okay. When will that be? 
we have to sub well okay i'm not technically not supposed to be answering back and forth oh i'm sorry so i will okay. be i'll so wait after all the meetings are done answer these questions thank you oh, i'm sorry okay thanks are there any other members of the public who would like to comment on this item okay chair i believe public comment is closed Thank you. Seeing non-public comment is closed. Okay, members, again, um, this is a yes or no to include um, the reports as listed. I'd entertain a motion. Sorry, I reckon I was going to ask a question, like, can we actually include other reports too, or should that come up as a separate item? We don't have a separate item for them to come up, like, so I'm not sure how to manage what you're lifting up. Mm. Like this, this is the window. There, like there isn't another. Okay, so window. Could I add on then the Gould report because that supports the work that they are uh, that they have done as far as um, black workers in San Francisco procedurally. Um. They, that's fine to include another report since that's is just an item on including reference material and reports mm -hmm. supporting the final document. Okay. Right. So an additional report would be the Gould report. Thank you. How do you spell that? G-O-U-L-D. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, Member Barry. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, Can you hear me now? Um, I have concerns about verbiage once this final report is done and this body not having any more input after tonight. So I do think data is important, but the way it's written and submitted to the Board of Supervisors and the Mayor by July 1st is supposed to be the date and us not having any plan on us giving thumbs up on how it's written and what it says and how what we discussed is captured, um, how we would carry that out with including these reports and any other recommendations we've made. So if I could ask you to focus these in this moment on these reports, yeah, these which reports. we aren't going to change, like we aren't going to, we aren't going to change these reports. So if there's pieces of reports you don't want if there's a report you don't want included, we can have that conversation, but we well, aren't we aren't going to amend the reports. Well, I know the USF um report, there was some that's correct. But then there's mention of focus groups, and I know the first meeting that was considered a focus group was not one. So I don't want to mislead the data that this was something that was continuously done by them or the guy going to play basketball with black people was data obtained. But if we're just going to do the quotes, that would be great. But the verbiage of focus groups held, I don't know the integrity of them. I think that's why it's only quotes. But the report says focus groups. 
Yeah, it's in there section are nine. And then it says in there, the Dropbox folder containing all the materials. Is that going to be those materials included in the count in the in the report? Is that link going to be re included in the report? So let me ask Paul. Let me ask staff what what the thinking is in terms of representing the USF report. Yes, I got you there. Oh. Thank you. The um, logic of including the quote, the intent is to include the quotes from the the quotes that people shared in the groups that the um, students led. So it's really just to capture the um, sentiments that people held about reparations and the whole process. And so the link would not necessarily be included. It would be the the quotes that you see before you or some of the selected quotes. So we offered the committee the opportunity to access the Dropbox folder with the full transcripts, but since they would be quite unwieldy to access the whole, the, to print the whole thing, I just um, extracted some particularly salient quotes. But we, there was a sentiment amongst committee members that, um, you all wanted to have a, a community community voice in the report, and so that's why the quotes would be used. I mean, so we don't know which of these quotes will be used, but I, I really don't have a problem with them. Um, if it's just gonna be quotes, Yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Member Landry. That's okay. Okay. So coming back to the question then, we've got these reports with uh, except excerpts, excuse me, quotes, excuse me, from the USF Urban and Public Affairs Report. So I'd entertain a motion. Oh, I'm sorry. And the Gould Report. I'd entertain a motion to include these reports and the quotes. Already been moved by member Ekinem. Is there a second? There is a second. Where are we procedurally? Same house, same call. Same house, same call. Thank you very much. All right, that concludes item number three. Now we need to pause before we go to item number four. Uh Chair, I just wanted to remind you that we had said we would be yes. going to back to 2B and 2C. Yes. So my apologies um, in my haste to get us, move us forward. I missed um, two things. So we actually, unfortunately, need to reopen item number two um, because there are um, there were the two policy recommendations that we agreed to revisit. And so my apologies for that. And there was lack of clarity um, on staff's part in terms of capturing um, the last um, recommendation that um, Member Barry, uh, you moved and, and we approved on, um, the, on the language. Yes. Yeah, Chair, we will have to reopen public comment on this item as well, since we are making a decision about to 
we're going back and making a decision about these two particular. Okay. So we go to public comment first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now we are reopening item two, which is, I need to read it into the record. Sorry, everybody, while I'm flipping through here. Updates to African-American Reparations Advisory Committee draft report, specifically in the policy section of the draft report, we are reviewing items 2B and 2C. If you would like to make comments on updates to the um, African-American Reparations Advisory draft report, you can make public comment in person first. If there's anybody here who would like to make comments She's about it. She's gathering her things. She's coming. I, yeah. So we do have one member of the public here in the chamber who would like to comment on this section at this time. And if there's anybody online, you can use the raise hand icon to indicate you would like to comment on this that part on item number two. Okay, hi again, sorry about that. Uh, I'm Sherelle, good evening. Um, so I stand uh, in support of reparations. Um, reparations are not about handouts or charity. Uh, they're about acknowledging the role that our government and institutions um, have played in perpetuating inequality and taking responsibility for our actions. Uh, it's about recognizing the value of labor, culture, and contributions that African-Americans have made uh, to this country. Um, that being said, um, Reparations can take many forms, cash payments to investments in education, healthcare, and housing. It's up to us to determine the best ways to address the specific needs of each community and ensure that they have the resources and support they need to thrive. I understand that there are concerns about the cost and feasibility of reparations, but the cost of inaction is too high. We cannot continue to ignore the deep-seated inequalities that exist in our society and expect them to magically disappear. We must be willing to invest in a more just and equitable future for all. That being said, we need to ensure that there are uh, specific sections that, um, as far as our educational system, making sure that the Black school has specific things that are incorporated in the Black school. Um, education as far as um, fully funded STEM operations, fully funded multilingual operations, um, and also to ensure that they have a, uh, a mindfulness program implemented for those who have been impacted by the trauma, and as well as uh, for the um, sections for harm, um, they should include an employment uh, uh, discrimination as a form of trauma eligibility um, because of the economic harm and loss resulting in the wages, loss opportunities for education, career advancement, and lost wealth of property due to housing and, and, and other kind of practices. Um, so that eligibility requirement would ensure reparations are targeted towards significant economic harm resulting in systemic racism and discrimination. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your patience. Thank you. Two minutes on the dot. Um, I would like to welcome anybody attending remotely to participate in public comment. At this time, we've reopened item number two. If you'd like to comment on the um, eligible, or I'm sorry, if you'd like to comment on 
the um, reparations uh, draft report. Draft report. You can do so at this time. Thank you. Um, well, I first of all want to say that I'm honored to be standing in front of all of you today. Uh, this is a historic moment. And yes, it's in the middle of the night, and I'm sure all of you are very tired after speaking for all this time. But the work that you are doing here today is paving the way for future generations of people of African descent who will live in this country and not just here, but across the globe. I think within this um, reparations, we have to acknowledge the fact that the transatlantic slave trade was human trafficking and it was kidnapping and it was genocide. And today you are doing something to, I guess, bring peace and some sort of restoration to what was done. And hopefully these recommendations, at least some of them, are passed through and maybe San Francisco becomes the place that sets a precedent of giving back to communities, African communities that have been stolen from and impoverished for hundreds of years up until now. I'm standing before you today as a 27 year old woman who identifies as black, uh, but six years ago when I moved here to San Francisco, I didn't see myself as that. I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria with immigrant parents uh, who wanted me to have a better life. Uh, we started our lives in America and when uh, things started to go south for my parents, they were facing a lot of discrimination. Um, we decided to move to Nigeria. I realized and acknowledge my privilege in having grown up in Nigeria and the fact that I had a different outcome because of it. And I hope that uh, through my work and through the work that you all are doing here today, that we're able to create a better future for all people of African descent in America. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I would like to welcome Catherine Campbell to comment at this time. Okay, good evening. Um, you know, I, I never said thank, thank you uh, to the committee and uh, my apologies, and just listening to the uh, comment that this young lady made, um, me being from here, um, it is a historical moment. And uh, I'm hoping that, and I appreciate all of your hard work also. It takes all of us to do this, and we thank you for being on the front line for this. But I'm also wondering, is there any, gonna be any provisions for children uh, to benefit from this also, is it in the report? I, I meant, is it in? Is it going to be in the report? Thank you for your comment. Um, are there any other members of the public who would like to comment at this time? Letta Smith. Hello, I'd like to add that um, and request that the eligibility for connection to San Francisco be more broad to include school records and also city directories and also for people affected by eminent domain. Um, I believe they should automatically qualify for cash payment, uh, regardless of the amount of time that they resided within the city of San Francisco. Um, that land and 
property that was taken will never be there's again. So I believe cash payment for people affected by eminent domain should be automatic. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public who would like to comment on um, this item? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. Thank you. Okay, members, we need to again revisit the two uh, policy recommendations that we um, suspended until we completed the eligibility. So that was 2.5 and 2.6. And again, in your binder was under tab number one. Um, and so um, is there any other discussion? So, yes, please. the chair. So I added the language um, that uh, member Barry, member Brown, and I think, oh, yeah. So the part of this will be a lump sum payment versus uh, payment in installments. It would read now this way, uh, 2.5, create a certificate of preference displacement restitution fund. This fund will be a one-time lump sum compensation payout of a $1.3 million tax-free to COP or COPS holders or descendants towards the redress and fundamental injustice of the past and present harms from racial covenants, housing discrimination policies, and redlining from 1954 through 2012, changed the date to be in harmony with the eligibility date of 1954, previously read 1960, uh, to 2012, which we had agreed uh, that you had to at least be documented as 10 years in San Francisco, right? So that gives you that. And then uh, the last additional note would be this fund would be additional payout. Um, you know. Yeah, this fund would be additional payout and um, to the lump sum $5 million uh, to eligible uh, to an eligible person. That goes according to what member Brown had asked for to um, differentiates between the 5 million as an additional payout. So that's pretty much 0.5 and 0.6. The difference of, of, of 0.6 is, is uh, the CPO holders is, is according to the number I received was 12,000 uh, CP holder, CP, COP holders uh, here in uh, San Francisco. So the housing displacement restitution fund would cover the rest. That's what's the idea. Um, yeah, that's pretty it. Okay, that was let's take them one at a time. So we have the language for 2.5. Um, is there a motion? Okay, any discussion? If not, I entertain a motion, 2.5. Thank you. Is there a second? I, I don't know what the motion is. I, I didn't follow that lengthy recommendation at all. It's right here. It's the same. It's, it's what's here. Mm -mm. He said a whole lot different. Than well, so, so the oh, motion he, is... He changed the date. Hold on. Okay, go ahead. He, he changed the date and then added the language this, that it's over and above the, the $5 million. So he changed it 1954 instead of 1960. 
we had already eliminated the fund will be so paid in addition, out in installments. In addition to the lump sum. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Second. <laughs> Thank you. Any other questions? Okay. I'm sorry, procedurally, where are we? Um, we are still same house, same call. Okay, same house, same call. Uh, Aye. Oh, roll call vote. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Yes. Tiffany Carter. Gwendolyn Brown. Anita Ekinem. Letitia Irving. The motion failed. Okay. 2.6. Uh, you want to state the... Because we need at least eight. So 2.6 is similar to 2.5. Create a housing displacement restitution fund. This fund would be a one-time lump sum compensation payment of 1.3 million tax-free to African-Americans who was displaced and experience past and present harms from racial covenants, housing discrimination policies, and redlining from 1954 through 2012. This fund would be additional payment to the lump sum, $5 million. Thank you. Is there a motion? Absolutely. Um, the difference in this one, it doesn't talk about the descendants, and I just want to know if you want to include descendants in this one. It just says African Americans. Oh, okay. Mm, I thought it was in there. This is so. And this sentence. Yes. Mm -hmm. So essentially, to to mirror the language in two point five. 2.5 being focused on CLP holders and displacement due to that. How is it this one focused on other causes of the housing displacement, eminent domain, et cetera, um, but the other same language, including in addition to or over and above the $5 million payment? No, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Is there a motion? Mm -hmm. So move. Is there a second? Thank you. Seconded by Member Hamilton. Roll call, please. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Brown. Rico Brown. Rico, I keep. Uh, Sorry, everybody. Rico Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter. Gwendolyn Brown. Yanite Ekinem. Yes. And Leticia Irving. And the motion has failed. Okay, thank you, members. One last thing, um, and I meet Director Chakwad. I need your help on. I'm sorry, Member Irving. Can I ask why? Because why no? Because 
if it's a matter of like, oh, that amount, or it's a matter of like one thing, we didn't discuss the no. And so I wonder if there can be an edit and there might be an amendment to the motion, you know. I think we're talking about the, the, the pools and the cash payout. I think that if we were to go with that frame, if we if we included that frame, COP holders would have got 1.3 and that's it. So that's my concern. Okay. Thank you. Um, Director Chakwad, I need your help on clarity needed. Thank you, Chair McDonald, and apologies to the committee. So I was, you know, conferring with my colleagues just to make sure that we captured what was passed um, in sorry so the motion that was voted on after we reopened eligibility criteria the motion that was put on the floor by member barry read motion to amend eligibility requirement to read if a person identifies as black or a descendant of slaves and is a resident in the city and county of san francisco that they are able to receive services that are deemed reparations for Black people, excluding cash payments. And so the point of clarification that we needed was what are you doing with regard to cash payment eligibility? It was supposed to, um, um, thank you, Madam Clerk. It was supposed to read does not meet the aforementioned, aforementioned eligibility requirements. So it would be, the, the intent was people who didn't meet all the things we said they had to be eligible to qualify, would be able to still qualify for services minus cash payout. Thank you for that clarification, Member Barry. So then is it, correct to understand what you're saying as the eligibility for reparations list where we have lineage 1a 1b 2 and harms that those items that that if you check off 1a 1b and 2 and at least one of the harms that you qualify for any and all of the reparations yes Okay. But we're not doing the, is there one A and- It's right here, yeah. I can't see that, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Correct, correct. Okay, um, Director Tawada, was that the clarity you needed? Yes, that just wasn't what was read into the record. It, when it was reopened, it, it only addressed the services so that's why we needed you to clarify that um 
if you meet the eligibility for reparations as you all voted on or, or as is written, that you qualify for any and all reparations. Whereas the second point is if you identify as Black, African-American, a descendant of slaves, and you've been a resident, I mean, I believe you want this language to match what you had above, like having the timeline requirement and everything in there. But this is just a different, this is a different eligibility. So I just want to make sure that we captured your intention correctly. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, Member Irving. It was quick. I don't see it on this paper that's in the binder, but when you were reading, um, it said slaves. And I just have a hard time with the words. I want to make sure that we say enslaved. I agree. I was just repeating what was read into the record. I apologize. Okay. So just if we move forward, what was read that we just changed the language. Thank you. Member Ekinem. So now I'm confused. <laughs> so originally we had uh, this eligibility for reparations. We all agreed on this. There was an addition, correct? That was member Barry's point. Correct. Right. It was not a replacement. That is correct. Okay. No, well, it amended technically how it was read. It amended it. So it read as though you were only voting on ex the exclusion of cash reparations. That's why we reopened it. Okay. Because the amendment superseded, because you reopened it, it yep, superseded yep. what you had done before. Totally understand. So now I think we're set. Yeah. Yes. Director Jaquata, yes. So I need a motion or Kath, yes. Secretary. Need, <laughs> we do need a motion to amend this particular item. So I just need the language of the amendment. The language would be motion to adopt eligibility criteria for reparations for any individual who meets all outlined requirements to qualify for any and all recommendations and If a person identifies as Black or a descendant of an enslaved person and is a resident in the city and county of San Francisco, that they are able to receive services deemed reparations for Black people, excluding cash payments. Thank you. Um, I think it needs to say, does not, somewhere in there that they do not meet these eligibility requirements, but still can receive services minus the cash payment. That was the second part that I just read, which was taken from your previous oh. motion. Okay. So move. Is there a second? Roll call vote, please. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter. Gwendolyn Brown. Anita Ekinam. Yes. Letitia Irving. Okay, the motion carried unanimously. Okay, thank you. Now that concludes.
item number two. We will close that now uh, and move then to item number four, please. Item number four is general public comment. Members of the public may address the committee on matters that are within the committee's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda. If there's anybody who would like to make public comment about items not on today's agenda, you may approach the dais or use the raise hand icon to comment. So if there's any members of the public who are um, listening and still viewing remotely, we thank you for your um, attendance. And if you would like to make uh, general public comment on items not on the agenda, please use the raise hand icon at this time. Okay, Chair, no members. Oh. One member of the public, LaDonna Williams. Yes, um, good evening again and appreciate the due diligence that you guys are doing at this late hour that's about to be the next day. I just want to say this process has been very confusing today and I realize we're down to the wire on this and I guess it's too late to recommend it, but maybe moving forward that the committee would consider also limiting their comments to three minutes, maximum five, so that it doesn't drag out and confuse the heck out of everybody. Because by the time we make the notes and try and comment and follow you guys on top of the new items that you're only distributing amongst yourselves, it makes it very difficult to engage and understand what we're even voting for because people voted for the report thinking it's the final report, not even recognizing there were five additional reports that you guys were recommending in there. So this process was just absolutely confusing. But this whole process is, it, it, you guys just made it more difficult. You have fantastic ideas and things to put in there, but the execution of it this thing is gonna fail and folks don't wanna say that, but we're throwing in everything in the kitchen sink in here when it's real simple. Cash payments, $5 million, ongoing maintenance payments, tax exempt for, for the reparations, uh, protection for black folks, descendants of slaves, protection for us. And then all those other things could be added through another bureau or process that would be ongoing to right those wrongs, but the immediate benefits should be cash payments up front right now. And you've wasted two years only to come back at the 12th hour and do 60 more recommendations that they gonna look at this and make a joke out of it. When we are due this money and these benefits, but they should be side, because many of them were some things that are already on the books and you guys are trying to reinvent the wheel through this process. It could be way more simpler. You guys have made it way more difficult than it needs. Oh, thank you for um, your comments. And now I do see Zoom user. Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, first of all, I wanna thank everybody for their due diligence and service. The only thing that I'm very disappointed is that 
no one had included the Nation of Islam in this conversation. If you know the history of the Nation of Islam, we have been pivotal in this city. And nobody invited us to the conversation. Nobody invited the Nation of Islam to put an input. We wouldn't be talking about anything Black if it wasn't for the Nation of Islam. I know that there's a stigma that comes with that, the radicalism, the stereotypes that come with that. But the whole Black conscious movement <laughs> and even the reparations movement came out of that organization. So I'm very disappointed that in an official capacity that the Nation of Islam is not even mentioned, not even sitting on that, on that, on that committee. And it's sad that we overlook this great organization. The, great, the work that's gonna be, uh, that's gonna continue is gonna be right after this. What I mean by that is that it's not over. It's easy to sit on a committee that you get paid for and get a stipend for. That's the easy thing, but the job of this work, and mark my words, is gonna go, is gonna go way beyond this committee. It's easy to do it while you're getting paid, but when you're not getting paid, are you still gonna be about reparations? Thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, now I'd like to welcome Lonnie Mason. Once again, good evening. Thank you, appreciate you guys' time time and effort that you put uh, to give us the best that you possibly can. There's nothing wrong with uh, constructive criticism. Um, it, it just goes with the territory. And I'm sure you guys are all aware of that. Um, with the last gentleman comment, I disagree. Um, I've actually worked with Leon Muhammad and Christopher Muhammad, especially Leon Muhammad, uh, doing the reparation, not reparation, doing the uh, remedial cleanup of the uh, shipyard. So uh, I've been involved uh, with them, but I, I don't think they're the reason or they should be involved or should be called upon. They can be a part of this just like anybody else. But um, back to, to this situation, um, it was just a lot of things added. It was a little confusing some parts. And I know you guys are trying to do your best, but we can't we can't include every, everything and everybody. Let's let's just deal with the cash payment. The cash payment. Period. I understand the other things that have to be mentioned along with it, but when we add all those other things, as you guys, it makes it confusing. You see how you guys have to keep going over some things and over, you know, to get clarity on it. I understand, you know, you don't want to exclude anyone, but we can't include everyone. It's just, it's just not possible. We make it more difficult than it should be. It should be more simplified. Thank you. I don't want to hold up too much of your time. Thank you for your time and your effort. Appreciate it. Thank you. Now I'd like to welcome Janice Murphy. Or sorry, Janice Murray. Excuse me. Yes. Hello? Hello. Okay. I I am one that um agreed for the reports not realizing that you were talking about a different set of reports. I do I need to see those reports before I can give agreements on it. 
But I do agree with Ms. Williams on the fact that we do need cash payments. Now you have added a lot of stuff that's unnecessary, left it open for groups that are not black to get in. And this is about black reparations. We've waited this long and you just keep stalling and stalling. Let's just get this done and get it started. It's gonna change as it goes on. That's all. Thank you. I'd like to welcome Naima Hunt. Yes, good evening. I'm also confused. Um, I don't know if I comprehended the genealogy um, services, but I believe you guys filed a motion for that not to be done. I'm not sure if I understood that correctly, but we're having we have a house of reparations or recommending a house of I'm sorry, recommending a house of reparations. Why wouldn't the genealogy services um, be provided? We were stripped from our identity. This is something that you know needs to be provided to us, as well as we're using the claim of slavery, chattel slavery, and this is not lineage based. I'm I'm a little confused with the black and 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 descendants. Um, and we we also weren't able to mm -hmm. follow along <laughs> with um, some form of documents of what you know what you guys were going over. So I agree with Ladonna and um, Lonnie. It was it was very confusing and hard to follow along with motions and recommendations and A B and A C. Um, and that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Are there any members of the public attending in person or remotely who would like to participate in general public comment on items not on the agenda? Okay, public comment on this item is closed. Thank you very much. Uh, next item, please. Item number five, and I am making one um, friendly amendment to this item, is the adoption of April 10, 2023 and May 8, 2023 meeting recording and minutes. This is a discussion and possible action item, uh, review of the, and the anticipated adoption of the video recording and minutes of the African-American Reparations Advisory Committee May 8, 2023 meeting. and. Um, upon do, completing the meeting minutes and reviewing the video, uh, video we realized we did not uh, vote on the April 10, 2023 minutes. So that's why I'm including those as well. And what about the June 5th? Um, I do not have the June 5th completed yet. Got it. Okay. All righty. Let's go to public comment, please. Are there any of the members of the public who would like to comment on the April 10, 2023 or May 8, 2023 meeting minutes? Please use the raise hand icon or Q&A feature or approach the dais. Okay, public comment on this item is closed. Thank you very much, members. I entertain a motion again to um, 
accept the April 10 and May 8th, 2023 meeting minutes. Member Barry? Um, yes, I wanna thank the clerk for including April because we didn't vote on those minutes. So thank you. And um, on those minutes, I referenced the affordable housing not trickle, trickling down to the black community. And if I did not say trickling down to the black community in that recording, I still would like that taken out of parenthesis so the sentence makes sense. Thank you. Okay, we'll make that amendment to the meeting minutes. Okay, entertain a motion to approve with the um, amendments made. Member Eckenham, motion to approve the second. All right, procedurally, where are we? Um, we are uh, roll call. Roll call, please. Eric McDonald. Aye. Rico Hamilton. Gloria Berry. Aye. Daniel Landry. Aye. Tiffany Carter. Aye. Gwendolyn Brown. Aye. Anita Eckenham. Yes. And Letitia Irving. Okay, the motion has been adopted. The minutes as are approved as amended. Thank you so much, members of the public, um, both in the room and online. Thank you so much for participating in this June 12th uh, convening of the African-American Representatives Advisory Committee. Members, thank you so much for your hard work. Um, it was a long push tonight, and, and uh, I appreciate you. Member Hamilton, thanks for coming back. Um, we appreciate you. With that, I'd entertain a motion to adjourn. Gotta move it. Uh, I would like to make a motion to adjourn in the, in the memory of my father, Michael Brown, who passed away on June 12th, 2016. There's a second. Happy to second that. Excellent. All right, by acclamation, meeting is adjourned. Thank you all again very, very much. Appreciate you. Thank you. I'll vote on that. <laughs>